Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. Called the meeting on the Liberty County Board of Commissioners to order. Ms. Brown, has the meeting been properly advertised? Yes, sir, it has. Thank you, sir. Mr. Moses, would you be so kind as to lead us in our invocation? Yes, sir. Let's pray. Let's stand for the. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day and all your bountiful blessings. We thank you for the rain that's going to come and replenish the earth. Father God, we pray for divine wisdom and insight for this um, body going to, uh, to deliberate on business that's important for this community. We pray that you be with them and give them the wisdom and knowledge that they need. We continue to uplift those who may be suffering, Father God, and we thank you for all that you do for us on a daily basis. For us in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Mr. Mosley. Appreciate sir. you, sir. We did it right. Thank you. Right. Proclamation EMS week. Ms. Crystal Hensley is here. We're going <coughs> to some of her staff. Good evening. Hello. <laughs> we are here again celebrating National EMS Week, which will be starting next week. We have a list of donations that have come in from other hospitals that are supplying our service with lunches next week, as well as some things that myself and my deputy director are going to be putting together for them to have lunches. We'll be conducting raffles, and we'll just be celebrating us all week. Celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Ms. Brown? This is a proclamation to the County Board of Commissioners where emergency care begins, EMS week, whereas emergency medical services are a vital public service, and whereas in 1974, President Gerald Ford authorized EMS week to celebrate EMS practitioners and the important work they do in our nation's communities, <coughs> and whereas the members of emergency medical service teams are ready to provide life-saving care to those in need 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And whereas access to quality emergency care dramatically improves the survival and recovery rate of those who experience sudden illness or injury. And whereas emergency medical services have grown to fill a gap by providing important out-of-hospital care, including preventive medicine, follow-up care, and access to telemedicine. And whereas the emergency medical service system consists of first responders, emergency medical technicians, paramedics, emergency medical dispatchers, firefighters, police officers, educators, administrators, pre-hospital nurses, emergency nurses, emergency physicians, trained members of the public, and other out-of-hospital medical care providers. And whereas the members of emergency medical service teams with a career volunteer engage in thousands of hours of specialized training and continuing education <coughs> to enhance their life-saving skills. And whereas it is appropriate to recognize the value and the accomplishments of emergency medical service providers by designating Emergency Medical Service Week now, therefore, be it resolved that the Liberty County Board of Commissioners declare the week of May 21st through 27th, 2023, as Emergency Medical Services Week with the EMS strong theme, This is EMS, Caring for Our Communities. So declared on this 18th day of May, 2023. <clears throat> Crystal, if you and Jean would come on for this up. Certainly appreciate what the EMS team does, the majority of it, all those people who make up that support and care. That's a lot of people. Uh, so Sir. thank you. Thank you all for what you do. I can't do without you, Patrick. So. I can't do without my teacher. I'm tired of it. <coughs> 
One, two, ready, smile. One, two, three, smile. Thank you all very much. Thank you all for all your thankful support. Thank you. Recognitions. One of our own has recently been appointed to the ACCG Board of Managers. Did I have that right? Yes. All right. So, Mr. Justin Frazier, we'll congratulate him on his new position. So, thank you so much. Right. Thank you for. Uh, doing that and taking representative Liberty County in that way. Absolutely. Thank you so much, yes, Mr. Chair. Yes, sir. All right. Department of Reports Finance. Good evening, Mr. Chairman, Commissioners. We have completed the county's March 2023 financial statements, and that's what I will be reporting on this evening. Um, at the end of March, we have collected approximately 81% of our budgeted revenues for the year and have expended approximately 77%. We currently have 7.8 months of operating expense in our unreserved fund balance. This is up significantly from the previous month, which was only 4.6. Uh, the reason for the increase is uh, due to the continued receipt of uh, property tax from the tax commissioner's office. Um, this time last year, pretty consistent, we reported 7.7 .7 months. Um, looking at the departmental expenditures and the general fund, there are a few that are running slightly ahead of schedule. Um, the elections department, as I have mentioned in previous months, um, is due to the purchase services for the voting hubs. Uh, the department as a whole is running a little ahead of schedule, but we do not expect them to exceed their budget for the year. Public information uh, is showing over budget due to the service awards luncheon that we held back in December. Uh, this is related to increased food cost um, since we developed the budget. The general admin department um, is for the regional, dues, the regional commission's dues, which are paid each year in July. Um, there should be no additional expenses charged to this department, so um, it should not exceed budget for the year. Superior Court, um, this is actually a result of timing. The monthly payroll for April was paid out on March 31st, um, giving them another payroll expense um, in the month, and this was due to April 1st falling on a weekend. Uh, but we do not expect this department to exceed their budget for the year. The Bureau of Professional Standards, Department 3320, um, they're over budget currently for the re replacement and purchase of radios, as well as for the lens lock body camera contract. 
Um, we will continue to monitor the sheriff department's budgets to, to see if any um, adjustments are needed before the end of the year. Um, GL operations is showing over budget for the month due to some repairs that were required to be made to the water and sewer lines. Additionally, the coroner is running slightly ahead of schedule, um, but we do not anticipate he will uh, exceed his budget. Mm -hmm. Community services showing a negative variance due to um, the annual wellness fair that we had back in October. Um, we actually just got a uh, reimbursement check from one of the insurance companies, so this will offset some of that variance, but we don't anticipate that it will go over budget. The Conservation Administration Department showing over a budget um, due to payments that are made in October each year for the Georgia-Alabama Land Trust. Um, no additional expenses will be paid out of this department. And other financing uses um, showing a large variance due to the county drawing down some of the 2022 bond funds that were issued last June. Um, since the bond funds were recorded in the general fund last fiscal year in 2022, um, at the very end, we are now showing the expenditure as these funds are drawn down in 2023. Um, so far through March, we have drawn down approximately $1 million for the new EMS building, $3.1 million for Miller Park Fire Station, and $460,000 for the recycling center. We will continue to draw down on the bonds as the projects continue through December of 23, at which time the remaining bond proceeds will be dispersed to the county. Um, continuing on to solid waste, solid waste currently has a net income of $600,000. To date, we've collected 91% of budgeted revenues and have spent only 75% of budgeted expenditures. There are currently no departments within solid waste that are exceeding budgeted amounts. Um, additionally, we can say the same thing for the county's special revenue funds. Um, none of these departments are showing over budget. Flipping over to the sales tax reports, our revenue for sales tax six for March was a little over 991,000. This was another good month, exceeding our original expectation of 778000 At the end of March, we are $2.7 million ahead of schedule for the current fiscal year and $7.2 million ahead of schedule for the, since the in inception of SPLOS. Um, and as we know, the SPLOS 6 ended, um, and we, will we have received our final distribution um, April at the end of April. So next month, I will report the the final SPLOS revenue amounts, and then we will move on until SPLOS 7. Uh, continuing on to T-SPLOS, we received over $900,000 again for the month of March, um, and to date we have collected $26.5 million. The T-SPLOS continues to do great um, and has brought in <coughs> over $860,000 in excess revenue from what was in originally anticipated. And that concludes my report for March, unless you have any questions. Questions for Ms. Samantha? Not here. Report. Good. 
that I run it over to sir recover <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and the other thing you know I guess internally you all will adjust i.e. the um, luncheon the awards luncheon so that was a little over so we got to yield the staff to work that out okay. yes absolutely <laughs> okay. before we do the the end of the year audit absolutely Mr. Chairman, yes, the water and sewer line, is that completed, Joey? No, sir, it hadn't. I mean, we've given notice to proceed on it. But it's it says it's um, in the narrative that it's unbudgeted. Um, looking at the jail operation, it says it's I'm sorry, I thought you were talking about a water system extension. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they have been repairing portions of it, mm -hmm. Mr. Walton, as they go along. I do want to check that we did have some money allocated in ARPA for some of those repairs, and so I made a note for us to get to go and look at those. I think it's in sections, though, that they're doing. But we noted it up in the, in the budget, didn't we? We did, because there was, there was uh, some expenditures that were noted for water lines. That's right. I want to go back and check, right? May have gotten charged to there. May have supposed to have been an ARPA. So we know that is probably complete, or we've got an idea it's complete. I think we've been put on notice that the the jail infrastructure is deteriorating. Deteriorating by the day. <laughs> by the day. <laughs> by the day. So mm -hmm. it wouldn't be unexpected to see some more of those expenditures show up until there's such time we're able to make necessary repairs over there. But um, I think we had a very um, vivid report that the infrastructure over there is crumbling. Was that inside or was it on the outside? Inside. Was that inside piping in the first in the first section? Okay. It was done in 92. Yeah. Yeah. All, right. All right. Thank you, Ms. Sam. Thank you. Mr. Long? Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. Everybody today. Good. Um, Did you hear from Commissioner Gillard? He was still in city council. I know that. Council. I don't know how Jeff made the dash as quick as he did because he was there not long ago too. But, <laughs> but he was still there, yes, sir. So they're work coming along on the Gun Branch Convenience Center out there working. Should be there until they get finished now. So that's yes, ma'am. And uh, the asphalt's down at the Tradeport EMS building. Uh, that's looking good. Um, had a lot of trouble with water on that site as far as uh, making the soils wet. Um, I will be trying to come to you uh, at the regular meeting um, for a stormwater MPDS permit. Uh, we do uh, several best management practices um, as, that we do for some of the municipalities. And um, what we need to do is uh, renew those because the permit's renewing this year. So uh, I want to come to you guys first, explain to you what we're doing for the other cities. And we've been doing these for the other cities for 
basically 20 plus years. So um, we just got to do it, get a new intergovernmental agreement for it. So I'll have those and we'll send those out to you for review before the meeting. Um, Claudia Lane, I'm gonna try to have those e easement things that uh, Joey needs by the end of next week. Um, Limerick Road, uh, Bill Carter Road is the contractor already at the contractor waiting on him. We'll talk a little bit more about the tree. Um, Limerick Roads, uh, the, Bids probably going to postpone opening the bids one week because they did have questions about the railroad and a couple of things. I want to give them time to make sure that they price those adequately. Um, and the water system for uh, Lewis Fraser Road, we've had a pre-construction conference and told the contractor to get going on that job. So um, he's, I know he's got uh, materials ordered, so there'll be a little delay while we wait on materials to get here. Um, the Davis Street and Select Street, um, that is an Allenhurst job, but uh, we did have the pre-construction conference uh, yesterday for that. So they should start fixing that in about three weeks. So I'll open up to uh, questions you may have about things we're working on. Questions for Mr. Long, <coughs> Ms. Stevens. Trent, back to that uh, <coughs> Lewis Fraser Road and the, the Peacock Canal. You did say it was no way uh, they didn't want to acquire more land to. No, we have to require. We have we to acquire. The county have to acquire. Yeah, we have so. to acquire the land. There's a small strip on either side that we need to acquire, but we can't. We're not released to go to uh, right away acquisition yet. So they have to get to a certain spot in the plan development process before they allow us to go for uh, right away acquisition. So actually, actually, roughly what we're looking at a year, right? Nine months? Yes, sir. They usually give us about a year to do the acquisition. So that road will be shut down? Oh, no, 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 no. It's probably, as soon as we get the acquisition, they can move forward. But the, uh, um, I don't remember the let date on this job, but I will find out what the let date is. acquisition we're talking about I don't I don't know yeah so when they, they're doing the bridge you know you'd think that we have enough right away because we have a ridge in there now mm -hmm. but the way that they're redoing the approaches and the side slopes mm -hmm. and so it's going to hit right at the edge of the right away so we have like a 10-foot strip I can't I think it's right at 10 feet it's not a very wide strip just along the area that's impacted by the bridge that's in the wetlands that uh, we got to get and plus that also allows us our access that we use to get down to maintain the canal. But it, but it will, I, quick, okay, make sure I'm not hearing right. Now, now when the bridge gets, when the bridge goes into construction, yes, we'll close that section of the road down. So, and the reason I'm said, said I need to find out what the let date is, because that'll be an indication to you when to start expecting the bridge to be closed down. Let date is what we call our bid date. Mm -hmm. So they'll have a let date um, and after that, usually about three months after that, the contractor gets started and then they'll get out there and they'll tear the bridge down where they're waiting on the piles and the, all the new stuff to come in. But it was no way of doing it like how they did 119. We built it on one side. Mm 
Uh, no, sir, what, if, what happens? Do you have so many uh, environmental hurdles there because of the wetlands that we're going through and the stream buffers? Um, it works better to go ahead and close it and, yes, sir. Yes, yes. It's painful for about six months, but, you know. Notify the folk ahead of time so they'll be here. Oh, yes, sir. We certainly will. We'll, we'll make sure we do plenty of advertising. Yeah. We'll knock on Pat's doorstep. Mr. Chair, just a quick question. Hold on just one second. We'll get oh. Commissioner Swift and then you'll be next. No yes, problem. Mr. Chairman, thank you. I just was want to make sure, Mr. Long, that we are moving on Mary Todd. We are moving on Mary Todd and and, and uh, uh, Wells, Wells Cemetery. Road. Yes, ma'am. Actually, Clinton hit me up on that yesterday. He did. So, okay. All right. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Yes, ma'am. That's all I had, Mr. Chairman. And uh, I know for uh, Elm Street and uh, Winhaven Drive, sidewalks it's yes, out for for bid it is it's out for bid we had the uh pre bid meeting mm -hmm. tuesday so two days ago um i know we have at least one uh ty swindell that's uh bidding on the job he's the same guy that's doing the uh sidewalks at gill park and he's the same guy that did all the sidewalks for us all the way down 196. um he's really good at these sidewalks all right and uh and that bid closes when i'm sorry to understand you the the bidding uh time for for that project yes, sir. it closes it's, when is it two o'clock on uh thursday next week okay so that's it thursday next week hold on I'll, I'll look and tell you it's on my website all right and, and just another question i don't uh, have it stored in my mind i'm sorry no problem. I, I know you get it to me. And then uh, Bill Carter Road, that uh, that company, Platinum Paving, have we yes, used sir. them in the past before? We have not done a contract with them yeah. as far as Liberty County goes. Okay. I've done a couple of things with them in the past, mostly on private, um, but they're they're very capable of doing this work. Okay. So, I'm, I'm, that was just a new name that I'm not used to seeing them. Around for a while. Who did the walking trail at the, the complex? I actually a sub of the contract is down there, site work. Yeah. So okay. It, it was a different guy at the complex. Okay. Okay. But oh, yeah, Ty Swindell's done a lot of side work walk work for us over the years. All the ADA stuff he did for us at all the parks. So Talking about the parks, the bid is out on, or has already been one for Gill Park. Is all those sidewalks, the walking trail done? Yes, sir. He's, uh, the sidewalks for Gill Park are under construction. As a matter of fact, he's probably more than halfway through. So he's already come down along Limerick Road. He's turned and gone up beside uh, the dirt road, and I think he's making the curve to come around behind the basketball court now. So he's making good progress. So, I mean, we gave him a start, his, and his start date was last Monday. So he's knocking it on out. Joey, the, the project at the complex, 
there's some fine-tuning to be done around the uh, track before that's considered complete. Around, around the walking trail? Yes, sir. He, yes, sir. He's back. The site contract, in fact, I was there today, has already installed a little box for some drainage issues mm -hmm. there. So they're back on working on that. When the, when the site guy fully comes back to do mm -hmm. the parking lot and curbing, mm -hmm. they'll finish the pouring the concrete okay. while they're there. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. Mm -hmm. Chief Dobry. Government agreements require. Good evening, Chairman and Commissioners. How are you? Good evening. Okay. Um, I'm coming before you tonight for intergovernmental agreements with uh, some of the municipalities here in Liberty County. Before I get started, I did send out an email uh, letting you all know about our class three graduation. Everybody should have a flyer. I uh, would love for you all to be in attendance for that. Um, but moving into the intergovernmental agreements, this was talked at our workshop uh, in regards to currently as we sit now on a signed executed uh, contract between the county and the city governments select ones, they are currently contracted for $16,000 a year uh, to provide services to an unincorporated area around their city. It is unincorporated Liberty County area, but it is in what we call their fire district. Um, with that, we are now, I'm requesting that instead of us do a $16,000 a year annual, uh, we go to a paid per call. Uh, this would be $175 per call answered as long as it meets the approved lists set forth by us. Um, reason for that is because we do have some municipalities throughout the county who are still running some calls that fire departments really can't handle, being uh, psychiatric emergencies, um, tooth pain, things like that. So those we've cut out of what Liberty County Fire responds to. Um, so there is an approved list. Uh, when I push that out to my staff, uh, Mr. Brown does see it, and I, you know, obviously afford him the opportunity to way in before it actually goes to the streets. But that's what the uh, the intergovernmental agreement is uh, between, and the request for this is only to renew with the city of Walterville and the city of Riceboro. Uh, those would be the two municipalities that I'd be requesting for us to proceed with this intergovernmental agreement with. As well as followed by that, um, I'm seeking permission to go approach all of the city municipalities excluding the city of Hinesville. Um, back way before my time, there was a gentleman's agreement, call it that, of a automatic aid, where if a primary fire district gets dispatched to a call and that district does not respond to it, uh, the next neighboring fire department would be dispatched to go handle it. More and more now, we're finding with some of our municipalities, Liberty County is becoming the primary department to respond to those calls. We are leaving our primary district as county fire and going into city municipalities. Um, so, and that's happening because of these automatic aid agreements. So my request to you tonight is to seek approval for me to issue a letter um, and meet with these fire chiefs and any city council that may, may need to be met with to inform them that effective July 1st, 2023, we will be canceling any automatic aid agreement. Now, what this also does entail is if you need assistance, Liberty County Fire will come help. Um, but currently right now on the west end of the county, 
Gumbrand's fire station runs out to the city of Walterville for a fire alarm. For me, I can't see why we are sending a fire department out of their primary, primary district through another city municipality through their fire district just to get to Walterville. We're passing a fire station to go help another fire station. So we just trying to bring more of a uh, common sense to how we're operating um, and correcting some things that as our de department has grown and our service has grown over the years drastically changing, it fits our current needs. So, so that has been in place since the old days of the... Um, I was about to say the, the automatic aid agreement. <laughs> yes, sir. The automatic aid agreement that uh, I can... Like I said, there's, there's nothing in writing that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. uh, but speaking with the former fire chief, uh, James Ashdown, mm -hmm. um, he recalls it all the way back in 2008. Um, but once again, in 2008, city of, of Hinesville Fire Department was also responding more into the county area. You also only had a volunteer department. Um, there's a lot that has changed since then. So, and, uh, What year was that uh, fire station on Airport Road uh, structure put up? Ooh, that was probably like 2000. And Been there a while now, but. Wow. For the water tower, I could not yeah. tell you, Commissioner. Right. I think you're in the like late part of nineties. You're moving in the right direction because things things have changed drastically since then. You're making me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and in this, uh, like I said, those those calls will be screened uh, by my office, and upon approval, any discrepancies where there might be a disagreement between myself and the fire chief submitting the uh, the stipend payment, I guess you can call it, or reimbursement, um, I would default to Mr. Brown for. Uh, clarity on how he wants to proceed with it so so the 175 per call yes sir you're not, are you asking us to approve that that yes, as part of the contract tonight yes sir yeah is that um, go ahead is that two uh, motions that he would need one for the Actually, I think just the, the second is kind of a procedural policy. On meeting that, with them. That, and, yes, ma'am. Yeah, because I, I we really didn't have anything in writing. It was just possibly a, it, it, you a know, gentleman's if we, agreement. Okay. If we try to do motions and do stuff on every time we look at a policy right. change. Okay. J just as a note, we want to let you know we'll be doing that, but it won't really affect any major incidents that we occur. So I think you just need to accept the intergovernmental agreement. And that's what we discussed at our planning session, I do believe, and I think that's feasible. I think that 175 will be fair. Yes, ma'am. And this is, so this Compared is. to the calls you're getting now, is it kind of. Yes, ma'am. So, and, and these calls, like I said, are only for, on average, about 40 to 50 calls. When I go through the statistics and look is what they're running over the course of the last three years that would be eligible for payment. Oh, okay. This is not. Um, I'll use Walterville for example. Just because there is a call at the post office that falls inside their city limits, they would not be getting the $175. It would have to be in the unincorporated area mm -hmm. being first and to meet the call criteria set forth by Liberty County Fire. Okay. Have they, uh, are they aware how you've uh, changed your, um, changed what you react to as you said you, you've, you've upgraded um, 
what you would respond to. So are they still doing theirs the old-fashioned way? Some are. Um, I will tell you the city of Walterville responds to anything and everything from an animal call to a headache, a tooth, an airplane crash, a train derailment, or a structure fire. They go to anything. Mm -hmm. um, city of Riceboro, I believe they are on the same course. Um, myself, for Liberty County Fire and Hinesville Fire, we have pulled back on select. Are we identical? No, we are not. Um, but there's there's just a need. I mean, they, they do. We started, we, you know, dur during the COVID episode, especially, but also because of manpower, we changed our protocol to, to handle emergency calls. I mean, basically. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they, they were made aware at the time that's mm -hmm. what we're doing. And so if they call for mutual aid on a call of one of those call types, we don't, we don't go to the cat in the tree. I so think as speak. much as we can synchronize services, would be better for the citizens. Otherwise, folk are going to get confused. Yeah, it's kind of and, up to those yeah, departments. But good cop, <laughs> bad cop kind of stuff going on out there. I do agree with you, uh, Chairman. The, the reasons quick for us why we pulled back is we were seeing, uh, obviously, us being in the rural area, EMS has a much farther travel distance to us, uh, to a lot of our areas. Um, once you get a fire truck on scene and you start patient care, regardless of the call type, that fire Can crew cannot go. leave that call until EMS shows up. So hmm. we never ran into it, but I did not want to run the game of Russian roulette of being out with a, a tooth pain call and a vehicle accident with entrapment or a structure fire call come out and my crews can't leave that scene until EMS shows up. Right. Hmm. Our primary job in the fire service for you as the county commissioners is to protect structures and lives EMS is, is to provide medical aid and emergency services to them. So we have no problem assisting EMS. We are definitely there to help them out. But there are just some things that we don't go to, and no different from EMS. They don't go to our fire alarms. So. Okay. Have you had any preliminary discussion with the Washburn and Walpad Bill about this proposal? No, sir, we have no. not. Have not. All right. Chief. <coughs> Chairman. Okay. I understand the Riceboro Walthallville. Let's say if something happens in the city of Midway. Okay. And Midway does not respond. The county comes in after EMS gets there on scene. So or are they in let's say if it's entrapment. Let's say a deputy someone who knows what they're looking at says it's entrapment. Yes, sir. How are we going to handle that? So currently, actually, the city of Midway, we already are operating what I'm asking y'all to propose for Riceboro and Walterville tonight. Um, if it is a chest pains, respiratory distress, um, medical call inside the city limits of Midway, Midway gets dispatched. They don't respond. They will tone, normally dispatch currently will tone us and we have to advise them. Central, we will not respond until EMS gets on scene and advise if fire is needed. Those are for those type. Now, if it is anything with fire or vehicle accident inside the city limits, if they tone Midway fire, uh, Volunteer Fire Department and they don't respond and they second tone for county fire to respond, we go right off the rip. There are certain criteria and certain call types that we will respond to, and those are the fire type calls, the entrapment calls, um, fire alarms. Uh, we just had one recently um, at a commercial complex inside the city of, of Midway that we had to go handle. Um, so, I mean, it was right off the cuff. We just, right. we go. But this is the first, we've, I mean, first I've heard of it, of course. I mean, I 
live in the city, but it would appear to me that those commissioners that represent that may want to give the mayors and them one last time along with the chairman and say, hey, this is it. This is going to be drop-dead date here, and after that, you're going to have to understand that you know, we're going to have to look after our own. I mean, Absolutely. I know you're making the decision, Brian, which is a business decision, but again, we probably ought to uh, err on the side of caution. I mean, that'd be strictly up to the chairman, whatever he wants to do, but Commissioner Stevens representing, you know, Midway and Riceboro. And Wathau. And I think you have. And Wathau. Well, yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, you want to try to get let everybody there. I, I would think so, but I mean, whatever the those commissioners want to do, if y'all want to cut it off, we can cut it off, not tie a knot in it, and go on. I don't care. Yes, sir. And yeah, and you do travel I, that way. I, I guess let me clarify on that real quick. So, it's not that we're we're cutting them off from anything. It's they they should be asking the next closest fire department because they're actually delaying that response. Um, at no point in time tonight will you hear me say. Walterville, I will tell you by far, is the best uh, city that you're in contract with right now. They meet everything. Uh, they exceed. Like I said, they go to more calls than is on our authorized list. We haven't had any issues with them. They also have the least amount of county property. Um, Riceboro, uh, it's, it's up or down. I'll be honest with you. It's very up or down, um, depending on the time of the year. Um, but that's why we also got out of the contract with the city of Midway was because they were failing to meet the requirements of answering those calls. But Commissioner Walden, uh, absolutely. If Chairman, if you would like to default and leave it to letting the commissioners talk to their respective districts. Uh, hey, a suggestion that you accompany them so <laughs> yeah. that you can explain the call protocol yeah. on that. I'd hate yeah. For them yeah. to be, be, be there alone with a mayor, of, but I think the main thing, uh, yeah, and I, and it really, it, it's really not going to change much from what's happening right, right. now on That's calls. Right. It fine. really is not. There's, there's not going to be any calls we aren't going to go to. I mean, they're not going to be left out in the cold in Walterville or anywhere. Uh, it's just that we, we need them to request that aid from the scene and simply just not not show up. You know, they'll request that aid from the closest fire department. If that fire department needs help, they'll call us. We're going. Uh, and in the situations of Midway, will be even a little bit different. Uh, the intergovernmental agreement doesn't affect any of that. The intergovernmental agreement rides by itself. It's simply changing the way that we reimburse them for the calls. Mm -hmm. and, and, and on that matter, the $175 uh, wasn't just out of the air. Obviously, it's based on uh, a service unit and manpower going. So we look back on the calls to see what they respond with to be able to get that $175 average. So. And absolutely, uh, thank you. The, those rates, that 175 was actually comprised from the FEMA reimbursement schedule. Um, that we go off of when it comes through with a hurricane. So that's where we pull the data and actually they're getting slightly a little bit more to kind of say, hey, thanks for having the volunteers go to the call. So that's cost of the truck plus the personnel. Okay. Mr. Chair, I got one more. <clears throat> this might be a little out of line, but Brian, since you're up here, we're talking about the volunteers. Yes, sir. We have two trucks at Midway. Yes, sir. One at Yes, sir. With the volunteers, they are not employees of the county. Correct. Right? But they are driving county equipment. Correct. 
Okay. Where's the liability for all that if something happens? As far as the liability. And, and who runs the, I know about four years ago we did run a check, I think on license check. So I will tell you for those three units, um, those three units, the insurance is through our VFIS policy. It's the same policy that currently covers all of your current rest of your fleet, as well as your ambulances. Um, so those three vehicles are paid for out of the county for insurance. Um, as far as the liability, um, you know, you have Joe Schmo, the person driving the, the county uh, engine that's inside the city of Midway and an accident happens. I, I could not answer of how the, the liability would take place. So, you, so you're running their license check. I mean, you're, you're getting a list of their drivers. You no, were. Uh, so we're not doing that anymore? I haven't. Okay. I believe the last okay. time it was okay. checked was when uh, Director Hodges was here. Uh, okay. So w Commissioner Stevens will get a list of their drivers. They'll have to go through the same checks. We're fixing to have to start doing that yearly. So anybody that's not eligible would be off the driver's list will be eligible to, to do those units. Um, I thought what you were fixing to ask was about those units. The other thing we will be doing is approaching the mayor, especially of the, the units in Midway aren't in that good of shape, but the one in Riceboro we need uh, to fight rural fires. So in these conversations, we're also going to have that conversation about relocating that truck that came up, I think, at the right. work session too. Mm -hmm. So that we're going to approach about removing that truck. But we'll take care of both of those. <laughs> okay, because I just don't want nothing well, so, so you know, if it's under our insurance, obviously they have a wreck, it's their fault. Uh, under certain conditions, it could come back against the automobile policy or, the, in this case, the VFIS policy. Really nothing we can do about that unless you just want to take those units out of their, you know, thing, which is certainly up to the commission. Um, and then uh, they would also bear some responsibility on their personal liability, public liability with the city, if it was an error made in judgment and not so much an at wreck and fault. So if they're out on the truck, they make a judgment in fighting the fire, obviously the public officials liability kicks in okay. versus automobile, but that's kind of how it would pan out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a different question. When it comes to ISO ratings, is there, is there some report that we can look at for Liberty County to see what, what those ratings are county, county wide? Um, I don't know. I'll reach out to my ISO rep chairman, and I will. I'll get you an answer. Um, I believe so, but not that I have been made privy to. One comment there is that, and I think we talked about this at, at the session also, is um, on the ISO. If, if we're automatically responding, this is another reason for this change. If we're automatically responding inside those districts that are technically by state zone to somebody else, i.e. Midway, uh, and we come out of our district to get that zone, mm -hmm. it hurts our ISO rating for the unincorporated area. Mm -hmm. So it's just something you need to be aware of as we go forward with the whole fire in the cities and some of those things. So you, you suffer when you come out of your designated area automatically to offer that aid to those folks. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to suggest that maybe we're thinking about it. <clears throat> Man, we got so much going on. <laughs> Some point in time that we set up a meeting with the all the fire departments. Okay. And, and let's let's work our way through all this. Oh, yeah, we haven't done sure. that in a while. Yeah. Mm. What was your target date of this, Brian? So so the current contracts expired June 30th, sir. Um, so this contract for the 175 will go effect July 1st. 
and then accompanying that was the request for the cancellation of the automatic aid being July 1st as well, Commissioner. And I don't think the second has to arrive with the first. No, I don't, there's no need for the no. second to arrive no, with I'm the first. No, I'm just saying there's probably know. a lot of people that may be, you know, watching tonight that's unsure. Now, you know what's going to happen. I'm just, you know, I'm, I always like to think we're going to err on the side of caution. And I, I wouldn't be, always. I wouldn't be, um, you know, in favor of the intergovernment agreement, I like I'd like to read it. But like I said, you know, I I do have the the city of Flemington is looked after on uh, on the um, on the Hinesville side, and of course down on um, on the, uh, Leroy Kofa Road there, back on this side of the railroad track, it's handled out of um, you know the station either on 84 or it's going to be handled out of the one uh, off of Limerick. So, um, I mean, either way around it, I just think it would be just a courtesy. And if it's not, then, you know, people can vote on it tonight, whatever you want to do, Mr. Chairman. But I yeah. I think we might want to, and I know Commissioner Stevens has been in it long enough to know that the um, worst thing you can do, you know, is make a bunch of people mad. And I don't want to yeah. say that it's, it hurts my feelings to make them mad. I just want them to understand that you know we care about all of them but we just can't you know we can't raise them all we got to do what we can do yes sir yeah I, my concern is that we do not alarm and or confuse the people correct yeah. so with that said chairman yeah. at the end of the day regardless of executing the, both of these or not it's not changing the fire service provided by liberty county um the cities are the cities mm -hmm. it does not change when it comes to fire and life safety if there if there is a fire alarm or a structure fire or a vehicle fire or an entrapment i don't care what district it's in and i say that respectively to all of the cities here in liberty county liberty county will respond regardless of whose district it's in at any point in time um, this is just saying stuff a little bit different, giving them a little bit more guidelines of how they need to be requesting for aid. Yes, sir. All right, so with, this is a uh, MOUs with Walter Bill and Riceboro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 175 per call. Chair, entertain a motion. Chair, I make that motion. Second. Second. Any further discussion? Everybody's clear? And we're going to call that meeting the big powwow. Okay. All in favor, show of hands, please. Thank you. Motion passes. Right. Thank you very much for your time tonight, Commissioner. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mr. Rigginson, Unified Development Ordinance Public Hearing. Chair, take motion to go into public hearing. I'll move, Mr. Chair. Second? Second. Second. All in favor, show of hands, please. Good evening, Chairman Lovett, members of the uh, board. Uh, back in March, we came and presented each one of you a, a paper copy of this 350-page document <laughs> that we call the Unified Development Ordinance. And at that time, we asked you to allow us to advertise a public hearing, as the public hearing is required by the State Zoning Procedures Act in order to adopt a new zoning ordinance. And you gave us permission, as did all the other cities. And tonight, you're the seventh of eight public hearings <laughs> that we've had in, the, in, the, in Liberty County this month. We only have Walterville left next next Tuesday, and we will cover to everybody. All the hearings have gone well so far. We've gotten some positive feedback, uh, but we need to have your hearing tonight. 
Uh, I'm not going to go through the presentation that I did last time, but just for the benefit of, of those who didn't see the presentation, I think. <laughs> People struggle with it sometimes. Is that the same one? It seems to be. If you'll just advance, uh, to the, for you. <laughs> advance toward the end, like the uh, third from the last slide. Third from the last? Yeah, right there. Okay, um, so uh, as I told you before, I just want to refresh you and, and everybody who might be watching here. Uh, this is a unified development ordinance. Uh, it's something that uh, LCPC was charged with when we were created nearly 20 years ago to try to pull together Liberty County and all the cities together into one common set of development standards. We've done that. It's taken a long time. We've, we've been working on this for about four years to get this done. We've had a lot of stakeholder meetings, had input from business people, development people, uh, environmental groups. The Planning Commission had a series of workshops last year, and we are now ready to uh, offer this for consideration for the county and our seven municipalities. Uh, your, your zoning ordinance and the city of Huntsville zoning ordinance and all the other smaller cities uh, have evolved over the last 50 years and they all similar but, di but different. So this is an attempt to unify everything. We currently have 31 zoning, distinct zoning districts in the county and uh, with, this, with this new ordinance we have 20 that are common to everyone. And this is the menu of, of uh, zones that would be available to you in all the cities in the county. Uh, you won't have all of these, but you, they're on your menu in case somebody comes in and asks and requests one of those zoning categories. So if you'll go to the next slide. This is a table that shows how, uh, when this is adopted, how uh, your current zones, your current zones are over on the left-hand column, A1 through DM1. Uh, they would, uh, with, with the adoption of this ordinance or the enactment of this ordinance, everything would convert over to the column in the, in the right-hand side, and that goes from A1 down to DM. One thing I'll point out, I think I pointed out at the last meeting, um, more than 80% of the county is on, the unincorporated county is on A1 and AR1. So those folks aren't going to see any change whatsoever. They're, 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 their zoning district is still going to be called the same and they're still going to have the same regulations. The others will be called a different name, but we've, we've taken, we've gone to great lengths to ensure that this is neutral in terms of development rights. Nobody's losing any development rights and they're not really gaining any development rights. but. Uh, in, an, in an effort to unify this, we did have to change the names of some of the districts. So the new zoning districts that are provided for in this, in this document are in that right-hand column. So I uh, just wanted to kind of remind you of that. So what we'd like to do is ask you to have this public hearing tonight and then allow us to come back next month, like we're, we're, we plan to do with all the cities, and with, with a, an ordinance for you to consider adopting at, at your June meeting. So all, all we're asking you to do tonight is just have the public hearing and give folks a chance to come in and comment on it. Yeah. It's chair. <coughs> yeah. Down where it says uh, R1 mm -hmm. on the former district and on the new district, right. how did you come up with the R12? I mean, R12 is a single family. R R1 is your, I guess it's your most restrictive single family district now. It, mm -hmm. it, it requires a site built home. It requires a... Uh, a minimum of uh, 12,000 square feet lot. So R12, R12 correlates with 12,000 square feet. So oh. it's, the, it's the same lot, but we just cut, we're, instead of calling it R1, we call it R12, and, and all, the, 
all the jurisdictions would have a R12. Okay. And so, uh, and so R, what, what you're allowed to do in R1 today, you will be allowed to do, in, you, you will automatically be converted to R12 and you will be allowed the same, same uh, permitted uses. So R12 and R8 carries the same. Well, R8 is, is also a single family residential district, but it allows a smaller lot. R8 allows an 8,000 square foot lot. R12 requires a 12,000 square foot lot. Mm -hmm. But R8 is, corresponds to your current R2. So if you're allowed, whatever you're allowed to do currently in R2, you'll be allowed to do in the R8. I was following you, but okay. R2 <laughs> says two-family residential, R8 says single-family. That's right. That's, uh, it, the, the, the R8, the, the, um, that's, that's what it's called. It's currently called two-family residential but it's predominantly for single-family residential. So the R8 would allow for uh, single-family residential on 8,000 square foot lots. If you wanted to do, um, if you go back to, go back one slide. If you wanted to do two-family going forward, it would need to be attached residential ATR. So if you're, you're, you're you can currently do a two-family, a duplex and an R2, you'll have to get ATR in order to do a two-family two duplex in the future. So, so still possible, I saw you carry out non-restricted, just a different classification. It's a different classification. And one thing that this does, I will point out to you, that in, in the county, you, you will be allowed to have an accessory dwelling unit on your property. So mm -hmm. if you've got a lot that's 12,000 square feet or larger, you can have an accessory you call them a mother-in-law suite or a garage apartment or something. You can have that in this ordinance countywide. I mean, that would be that would be allowed as an accessory dwelling unit if you have at least a 12,000 square foot lot. If you have a smaller lot than that, then you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, you know, I heard there was an announcement made by let me just say a realtor that a large parcels of land for subdivisions in Hinesville are almost impossible to find. Oh yeah, that's London. Yeah. It was going to push the growth out. So, mm -hmm. are you? Do we expect the, the builders to, to do the same size single-family residential lots out in the county, or are they doing the smaller? What are we seeing? What, what we're seeing in the county at this point, the, that our, our two biggest developers, our two biggest local developers, are taking their, uh, their development models that they've been using in the urbanized area and, and doing that same thing out in the uh, unincorporated county. And I'll give you an example, the one on Isle of Wight Road. That's, those are relatively small lots ranging from um, 5,000 square feet up to 7,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. and so that's the same footprint of uh, subdivision that we see in, in the Hinesville area. And we got one of those going on Alabite Road. And that's because Midway is providing them water and sewer and they're able to get those lots that small because they have water and sewer. Mm -hmm. But that won't be able to happen on um, Bill Carter Road. You've already approved uh, the zoning for the Bill Carter Road. So that will be what you've already, what you would have already approved. But uh, it's on the menu that that developer or, or another developer can come in and ask you for a a pod that allows for smaller lots and if you're willing to approve that if they've got water and sewer then they can do that no the only thing out there is just water right I guess economically <clears throat> sorry commissioner if I were a builder I'd try to squeeze more houses in the smaller smaller lots you would then I'm also hearing that younger people are not uh, favoring large lots. Never have. They just won't. <laughs> <laughs> Too much work. Yeah. 
Ten by ten. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> got to cut, cut grass and do yeah. all that. Mr. Chairman, on the, the next slide you have over there, the, um, I guess, the different, the mobile home park, what is the size of those lots? MHP on the right-hand side? Right. You Nothing know, changed. With our, that, with that. R4 is, is currently your zone for uh, that allows for a manufactured home park, which is a planned development where one owner owns all the property and you you, sit, you rent the lot by the month. Uh -huh. uh, that would correlate over in the new ordinance with M MHP, which is the same same as your R4. So that's where if somebody wanted to have a Just mobile home the park, lot. right, with, with 20 unit uh, 20 spaces to rent in there. They would uh, they would be on a, doing an R MHP under the new ordinance. Okay, but if he if if he owns the property, then does it go back to the R eight or R twelve? It will if if they currently have a property that's that's got a mobile home park on it or that, that's currently zoned R four, it will automatically with the adoption of this, it'll automatically transfer into MHP, which will give them the same rights to okay. continue that 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 mobile home park they have won't the existing mobile home park won't become grandfathered or nonconforming. It'll be just as legal as it is now under R4. Okay. So it'll be an MHP whether Donald Levitt owns the entire park or, mm -hmm. or Donald Levitt just renting lots out. Right. Okay. That's right. Okay. The um, the the S the SMA the S I'm sorry, getting tongue tied. The SFMH would be zoning that would allow for single-family manufactured homes that would be considered that would be comparable to your r2a that you currently have so uh, you know your r2a there would translate into single family and like a, like your own you own your own mobile home on your own lot but okay. the other one the mhp is where you got a mobile home park and you just rent out spaces or you rent out mobile homes to whoever wants to pay you the rent okay in the general rule of thumb a, a mobile home on Half acre? What is it? Half acre? acre? Three quarters mm -hmm. acre? Well, it's according so, so to the Where is that on here? Yeah. That would be allowed in your R2. Uh, it would be allowed in R2A. Those are the those are the two zones where you could have them. Yep. Yep. Uh, mobile and it, home. And it depends on the size. It depends on whether you're on water sewer water provided sewer. by municipal oh, or too. whether you got to have a septic tank because you got to have so much setback for the septic oh. tank. Oh, and I will point out that the A1 and AR1. Uh, currently allow mobile homes and they will continue to allow mobile homes. Yeah. As we were talking earlier today at our last meeting, mm -hmm. what about tiny homes? Tiny homes would what be would tiny homes. Tiny <laughs> <laughs> homes would be allowed in the new ordinance under in your A1 and your AR1 and they would also be allowed in the plan developments. So uh, you would have to for anything other than just in the AR1 and the A1 you would have to specifically approve a tiny home community if somebody wanted to do something like that. You couldn't just go put up one without coming in and asking, getting approval from the Board of Commissioners so or the City be, Council as it is. So that would be what, from the 800 to 1,000 square foot? Tiny homes would go down to, uh, you, you can have a tiny home. 600 square foot, I think. Um, I, don't th I don't think it's 600 square feet. I think it's maybe 400 square feet. Oh, I, I, I didn't think we had a tiny home uh, ordinance yet. We don't currently, but this, this provides for tiny homes. Tiny uh, homes. All right. That's right. So mm -hmm. that that is a, a change that this allows. So the uh, development in Midway across from Captain Joe's, it, didn't that lady do a, a tiny home? 
place for veterans in that and, and Midway? Yeah. Somewhere. I don't, I don't know where it's at. I, I, sure. I think she. They're out there. They're just so tiny you can't see them. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny home community. She's been talking about doing that, but I don't think she's actually executed that yet. I thought something on the news that I thought was her development. She she did she did do, get some publicity on the news, but I don't yeah. think she's made it very far with that you might development. Might want to take a run. <laughs> but, but you know this this would provide the vehicle that they may be able to get that done. You know how District One is they sneak anything they can. I think I saw them highlight a gentleman who was living Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but you might want to say that. I think yeah. it's gonna be out there almost uh, um and I've, down road. and I've seen some in other places that uh, I couldn't tell whether they were tiny homes or just larger um, storage sheds. Mm -hmm. so there's a fine line in there. Mr. Chair, my next question was um, tiny homes, is that like the mobile home that comes in on? No. They, they have no. to be like stick build or whatever? Manufactured. homes to meet the code for a tiny homes. They, those, those things that are on the trailer are, are built as RVs, they're built according to the ANSI code and they're not approved for permanent full-time living. So those would not be allowed, they wouldn't meet the requirements of the building department. But you could, you could, you could purchase a tiny home you can. At, at a mobile home sales lot. Yes. It, it, but it, those, you can't bring, I'm not talking about a camper. Right. I'm talking about the smaller trader. If it either meets the HUD code or it meets the, the international building code, then yes, you, that, that, it, that would be a legal tiny home, but one that's built as an RV cannot be permanently okay, lived, yeah, lived yeah. in. Okay, well, those are out there. They're nice right. looking. Well, maybe that's what they're going to put in the back of them lots. You said they were mother-in-law suites. Maybe they yeah, were yeah. put drag one of them back there. I mean, that you could put that on the it could be a detached accessory dwelling yeah. unit. It, it, it would be a subordinate use to your main house, but that that could be done for anybody who has a 12,000 square foot house. It could yeah, be, put it back there and use it as storage or whatever. To your house or it can be detached in the, in the rear yard. Hey, I'm just blowing a roof over everybody's head, not a tent. Right. Yes, right. right. But I want them to be safe in that, in that home. Oh, I know, not a tarp. I, not a tarp. I know where more tarps are in the woods right now than they are. They got it harbor freight. I've not seen many blue tarps. So you need us to give you, this is, I'm sorry, a public hearing. Open up to anybody that wants to speak about it. Anyone always want to speak on this unified development ordinance? Well, it's called unified. I mean, is that just... It's really not unified yet because you hadn't got with who? Uh, you, you and all the seven cities. Once once uh, everybody adopts it, then it would be it'd be a unified ordinance. You all would have the same ordinance. You'd have the same ordinance as Hinesville, Walterville, and Midway. Why don't we just call it then the Liberty County Ordinance instead of the unified one? We could. We can call it anything you want to. It's, 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 it, but the well, intent the is to unify everybody. Right I mean, I, I know you're, you're you're talking with all the cities, but I just, um, I mean, you'll have people going to the Liberty County Planning Commission, mm -hmm. and you're going to explain to them the unified. Uh, I, I, I don't hear any public participation, so uh, we'll chair take a motion to come out of public here. Second. All in favor? Now. I, 
just asked to rehearse, so we need to approve this preliminary presentation tonight, Mr. Brown? Or? No, sir, no, we'll just okay. put it back on the agenda okay. for the mid-month. For the mid-month okay. meeting, yep, uh, I, I had to ask if you would put it on the mid-month meeting because I got to be in Riceboro on the on on your the, meet, the same you. night you meet the first meeting, so I can't be here right. then. Right. But we're going to we're going to go through eight eight of these uh, meetings again, yeah, and and I'd like to add that the ordinance we bring to you or or. Uh, make this effective on July the 1st. So every, everybody's, uh, this would be effective for everybody on July the 1st if it gets okay. passed. All right, okay. Thank you for your work right. on this. I sir. have one Thank more you. question, okay. Mr. Chairman, okay. before you move off okay. that, because okay. I'm interested in getting people housing, but <laughs> there <it is. laughs> um, there it is. the tiny homes, <laughs> um, if someone, what would be the space like if you want to put a tiny home park in? Would it be like, I mean, we have a quarter acre. Mm -hmm. Would it be a quarter acre they, per tiny home? Or do you have that written up in ordinance? We don't, you know, we if, don't we're, have if, we're, if we're approving this and you're saying tiny, this includes tiny homes, then what's the ordinance on how much acreage, if I just wanted to buy one or whomever want to buy one, you weren't going to put it on as a mother-in-law's, but mm -hmm. how much property would you need to put that one tiny home on? The, the tiny homes is it as, goes back to the mobile home as is written now tiny homes are only allowed by right in the a1 and the ar1 so a1 requires an acre ar1 requires 30,000 square feet so those are the ones where it'd be allowed by right any other kind of tiny home development or community like you're talking about where you have a bunch of them would have to be a plan development and that would be approved by you all and it would be determined on whether they got water and sewer which if, if you're going to have something that, that many on a, on a small right. lot, you're going to have to have water and water sewer, and but that will be approved on a case by case basis, right. like by you, like PUDs. Like sometimes a PUD will come in and they'll ask for, um, you know, you know, six units to the acre or, or maybe five units to the acre. That's, a, that's, that's approved by you on a case by case basis. Okay. So for a plant, for a plan, uh, planned tiny home community, it would be, they would have to, to draw up their development standards and you would have to approve those. Okay. Pick it back and so the, so, so, so this plan right now, once approved would cover. It, 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 would, it would provide the process for you to consider that tiny home community. Okay, okay. All, right. all right, good. And, and you got this model on the tiny homes. They're where, coming. Where have you, I mean, where have we look? Could you tell us where we can see this model at anywhere that you know of, Jeff? They've already got one in. There's one on Wheaton Street. And one at Altama Avenue, I believe, in Brunswick. Yeah, Brunswick, right by the school. That's right. There's, yeah, the, that, those are the two They're I in know the about. One in Savannah and one in Brunswick. One in Savannah. I'm behind the, uh, the church and in going into Harris Neck on the right down in McIntosh County, when you turn left like you're going into Harris Neck, mm -hmm. there's a church right there. There's a bunch of them stacked in there, and that's what right. I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. They were building them there. Oh, is that what they're doing? That's right. right. That's yeah. right. They were building yeah. them. Yeah, uh -huh. and then yeah, they were doing. It was uh, yeah. They 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 built the ones for the residents down in. And I think those were the eight hundred to a thousand square feet one that they were building right there on seventeen. We're going to be overrun with tiny homes, but this does provide a, a mechanism <laughs> for y'all to approve them if you want to. Well, you know, I. We got uh, some homeless people. And I, were talking. I think I've seen some in the county. Yeah. <laughs> well, your ordinance currently allows uh, someone to live in a 300 square foot 
dwelling. So if, if, you right. can so meet the, if you can meet the building code, you can have a, a dwelling that's 300 square feet. So, so basically are those are two it. different things I think we're, we're discussing. We're discussing more of a in-law suite mm -hmm. or a doghouse suite for mm -hmm. some of us mm -hmm. or or like you said, a, a planned unit development. A planned community of small. Right, small right, 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 right. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, we have seen like one or two. I've seen some. But as a, as a plan, because I know you and I have, have had, you know, lengthy discussions mm -hmm. about, about that as well. So those are two different cold. things. But I, I do know that people are interested in doing uh, some type of planned community with tiny homes. I mean, not just here, but all throughout America because of, I mean, it's a housing shortage everywhere, you know, and not just a housing shortage, but more importantly, I mean, whenever you look at the the uh, the amount of people who are, are homeless. Homeless and vets. You know, that, that's, that's a real thing, you know, everywhere, especially in Hinesville. If, if you don't, if you don't believe, just come with me. I, I can show you where some at real quick. But uh, more importantly, so I, I do think we do, not just for Liberty County, but, you know, all the municipalities do need to mm -hmm. have that. Have it on their mind. Uh, man on the radar, like yeah, yesterday. Yes, yep. So even when it, when we get the first one, we all be uniform. Mm -hmm. And like they used to say in the band. Yeah. Now all of this will be passed down uh, in, the, in the outline areas, you'll have I mean, Mr. Zeckman's department will will know about these type of situations ahead of time. Yeah, they have to come um, in and so get a permit. Not have any issue with, you know, if the person gonna put their trailer pole up and and uh, hook electricity up and stuff like that to it. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, things like this will happen. I mean, things like the, you know, we're talking about during a time of need, a disaster type area. If you had to pull 40 of them in somewhere and leave them, we want to make sure that, you know, we don't have somebody raising cane about it because it don't meet this code and that code. But mm -hmm. if it's in this, what you're saying, and it can go in a certain area, mm -hmm. that's one thing. But, you know, like Commissioner Thrift said, if you've got a place that's a field in front of a church mm -hmm. that's wide open that you could put 15 in to help mm -hmm. those people that, uh, you know, are in need, then, you know, we need to be able to to um, have that in a along in that ordinance that the the uh, inspections department will work with them on that. Right. Um, this so, gives you the ability to prove that overall concept, but then right. Paul's office would have to go out and inspect them to make sure that they, they meet the codes. Right. But y'all have done talk. You and we have. He's okay. he's aware. That's of that. great. That's. Okay. We'll make sure all that. Eyes is dotted. Thank you, sir, Mr. Okay. Jeff. Thank you. See you on next round. Health care update, Ms. Tammy Mims. Oh, I feel sick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll look for you. Well, I was probably running the halls. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity to come before you tonight. Um, I'm not going to keep you long. I was going to say good afternoon, but it's after six, so I'll say good evening, good right? Evening. So um, if you go to the next slide. So um, we, you know, the public health emergency has been um, 
no longer mm-hmm. as of, of the 11th, but I thought I'd come and just give you some quick facts, um, just some hospital quick facts. There's 182 total hospitals. This is the state of Georgia. Um, there's 30 critical access hospitals, which Liberty County is one of those. 104 of our 159 counties have a hospital. So that means there's a lot of counties out there that don't even have a hospital. We've had 17 hospital closures since um, 2013, and most of those were in the rural areas. And then 42% of hospitals as of last year's in 2022 are operating in losses. So we've had a lot of expenses with the pandemic, um, and a lot of that um, you know, was within our salaries of having a lot of agency, uh, internal contracts, uh, a lot of workforce um, components within that. And we continue to pay excessiveness on supplies. A lot of the supplies, um, the prices went way up during the pandemic and unfortunately have not um, seen their way down. So just real quick to give you a quick reminder, because I want to make sure that, um, you know, we are in an underserved area, even with um, um, primary care. We're fortunate enough to have our Liberty Family Medicine with Dr. Bedea, Dr. Speltz, Rebecca Shaver, our PA, and then Danielle Elam. However, you know, we've lost uh, a local uh, primary care physician, Dr. Sobawali, recently from the community, and we are still, um, you know, continue to try to recruit and uh, fill those primary care needs. We do have our primary care uh, practice in Midway with Dr. Procure and then Lisa Cruz, the nurse practitioner, and then we've opened up our walk-in clinic several years ago. We're looking at expanding those hours in the near future, trying to still get people that are um, non-emergent into the walk-in clinic, uh, no need for an appointment, uh, and to try to unclog our emergency room. So we've had a very successful walk-in cl- uh, clinic. As soon as we're able to hire some additional staff, we'll be able to expend those, um, extend those hours. We're very fortunate to um, still have our specialty. Um, we have Liberty OBGYN. Dr. Borquay, in case you hear, in July will partially retire. Uh, he's been with us for over uh, 20 years delivering uh, babies in this county. Uh, we've had a long relationship with him. We're going to change our model to where we'll have four physicians. They will work a week a month, and so they'll rotate through. Um, and so uh, we'll have a different uh, model for our Liberty OBGYN, but we'll continue to um, deliver babies and take care of um, our moms in that manner. And then Laura McKay is a new nurse practitioner that's full-time in our practice, um, and she will um, be able to, of course, see everyone as well. We have our Liberty Surgical Associates with Dr. Cofield Floyd and Dr. McCain. And then also, you remember, we've partnered with St. Joseph Candler for our oncology services, and that has uh, really expanded, and we've expanded the days and coverage there. Unfortunately, have a a great need for oncology um, in the county. And also cardiology practice. We've expanded the hours of that. Cardiology continues to grow um, uh, for uh, the county as well. So as we continue to respond to the needs within the specialty area, we're fortunate enough to make those arrangements. Um, The other item is our nursing home that we're very proud of in Coastal Manor. Um, They've been uh, very fortunate to 
continue to deliver uh, the care to the um, the residents in the um, nursing home. Uh, fortunate enough now that people can come in and visit again, and that's been a huge relief. It's been very, very difficult on the uh, residents' family members of not being able to come in and uh, have the activities that um, they're used to. So um, they actually had a day of Las Vegas uh, yesterday. Uh, <laughs> so this is nursing home week. Um, last week we celebrated um, Healthcare personnel week, and as EMS has their week next week, is kind of hit all uh, healthcare, um, and so they're uh, having a, a good time at the nursing home. So some major accomplishments um, from last year. So we were awarded the real stabilization grant for our perinatal program. Several people came out for our Mom's Heart Matters. Um, you know, there's actually another report that just came out this week. Georgia continues to be one of the worst states for maternal mortality. That means our moms are dying unnecessarily after birth. So we have developed a program to address that um, and um, hopefully be able to, we've gotten the state's attention uh, for that program and we'll be writing um, some um, papers and uh, trying to implement different protocols throughout other hospitals um, to demonstrate our success. We uh, were um, able to get some of the Best of Liberty Awards, so we have to give a great shout out to Dr. Borquay and Dr. Speltz and our long-term care um, Coastal Manor. Uh, we talked about Laura McKay, new OBGYN, which is a huge, huge um, success to be able to recruit OBGYN to the area. And then actually Liberty Regional received uh, the performance related employment and management and engagement from the State Office of Rural Health. So every year they recognize the top five uh, performing critical access hospitals and we were able um, to receive that uh, award last year. Every year, the Georgia Hospital Association does an economic impact to say what are the payroll and benefits from the organization and also the full-time equivalent jobs at that time and then the revenue for both local and state economy. And you can see um, the $107 million that we bring for both local and state economy of, of having a, a, a health care system in the area. We also have our challenges. Uh, we've talked a little bit about workforce. That's probably been every healthcare and other industries, even restaurants you still see haven't opened up. You know, um, I guess everybody's now trying to find what's our new normal going to be. So we've done well. We uh, have not shut down services like others. We do not call diversion uh, and uh, to deter um, you know, our uh, EMS. Uh, we try to uh, take care of our county and accept everything that uh, comes to us. Uh, we continue to have the regulatory burdens. As much as the waivers now have uh, gone away, uh, we still have more and more regulatory burdens of just reporting and um, some other um, crossing the T's and dotting the I's that we um, have to do. We continue to look at our market share and look at the out-migration what services are people going out of the county for? Where are they getting those services? And then do we offer those services to be able to educate the public that we have those services um, here? Um, we are still um, appealing the freestanding emergency department that um, uh, HCA in Savannah is trying to put in Bryan County. Uh, we serve a lot of people from Bryan County. They come to our county. 
It's a little easier traffic flow sometimes to us versus going to in uh, town Savannah. Uh, and so we still are in that appeal of that freestanding emergency department. Um, there's continued to be legislative updates. Unfortunately, some of our health care um, laws uh, last year got caught up in some other items and uh, we weren't successful in getting some things passed as uh, we were hoping to. So we'll work again on that. Uh, we've got a couple of workforce um, um, challenges that we're looking at with the group. Also, the certificate of need is up for discussion. And so we have uh, groups that are working on that over the summer to be ready for the next legislative um, session. And then we still have our supply availability challenges. They're still uh, slow in production of some things, and uh, we're having to look for other sources of, of some items. But things are seeming to get a little bit better and improve um, 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 currently. If you look at the overall financial comparison, this is really what we um, bring before you with our indigent and charity care, the bad debt and the debt service. And you can see where we ended 2022 um, with the number. Um, it continues to grow. A lot of that is, um, you know, the, all the services that we give, um, you know, and, and continue to not get um, paid for. And then our needs, our overall needs, we continue every day looking at staffing. Um, so we've done very well. Uh, the, our uh, biggest concern is the overall cost of it, and that's where financially it's really uh, hitting us. And then we continue to look at our major capital items. Um, we need some new roofing in some areas. Our medical um, air system has to be um, updated and improved, generators, and then also new equipment um, that then things go out of um, life and uh, have to be uh, replaced. We completed our community health needs assessment the end of last year, um, and you see uh, the items that ranked. We are really focusing on diabetes. If you look at the overall numbers for our county, uh, diabetes um, is really causing a lot of issues for um, the community. And so you'll see a lot of programs in place um, for diabetics in the near future. Our Rural Health Georgia um, Heart Tax Credit, I'm going to leave with Joey applications uh, for everyone. Please consider if you have a um, paycheck and you pay um, Georgia taxes. Uh, we're fortunate enough that the state says each rural hospital that's eligible, and Liberty is one, we can get up to $4 million of state funds. So I'm sure every commissioner in here, if you hear the state will give us $4 million, we figure out how to get a hold of that, right? We can get $2 million from individuals and $2 million from um, um, other um, companies. And so we're very fortunate to have um, one of uh, Maris Bank gave us a large donation um, just recently. Um, we have individuals that are given. So I take my paycheck from last year and see how much Georgia tax, and then I give the maximum that I can give because I'd rather my money stay here in Hinesville than go to Atlanta, Georgia, right? And so I'm sure um, y'all feel um, the same, but they've, they've passed the law and extended the program to 2026. Uh, it has increased to 75 million for those hospitals that are eligible. We asked for it to go to 100 million. They did not pass that this past year, um, but they did extend it. So we, uh, we do have it through 2026. So um, you are taxpayers in the area can sign up and I'll leave these uh, with Joey. But beginning July 1st, you can give um, 
unlimited to your maximum. So if you look on your check and um, individuals can give 5,000, uh, married and uh, filing taxes jointly can give up to 10,000. After July 1st, if you have more taxes than that, you can give to the maximum of your tax uh, benefit. So please uh, take that opportunity. Um, the next slide is to look at our future plans. Um, recruitment, we continue to look for providers. We need to get more primary care. We have got to have access for care. We have got to um, continue to recruit for staff. Uh, we compete with um, a lot of people um, leaving, um, you know, to go to Savannah. Uh, some people think bigger is, is better. And um, I, I worked in bigger for a long time, and I will tell you, it's, it's a total different uh, work environment. And um, once I fell in love with uh, rural health care, there's really uh, nothing like it. Uh, so hopefully we can, uh, we're getting into the schools and trying to retain some of our students. There's tons of programs out there. So we'll continue to uh, recruit not only for staff, but also providers. Uh, we have uh, received permission from our hospital authority to open up a wound care center, and that's going to be a major program for our diabetics. So we have a lot of diabetes that are not getting treated. They end up losing um, sometimes limbs because uh, their wounds do not heal. And so we're very fortunate that um, we're able to um, uh, work on that and have our own wound care center. And then if you've seen... Um, uh, right next to the hospital, we had an old house that we had on the market for a long time, couldn't get it sold, so we've had it taken down, and we are going to uh, build a call house, and so our um, physicians that come and visit, and they're on call, uh, instead of staying at a hotel for a week long, they'll, they'll be at a call house, It'll be a little bit more comfortable, and they'll be right there on the grounds of the hospital to be able to respond. We think that'll attract maybe some more people, so if you've got to stay somewhere for a week, Living at a hotel sometimes not the most desirable, so we think that will um, <coughs> encourage um, and be a, a little bit better environment. And then last but not least is mental health. So um, I'm working on a work group with, um, you know, the, sh um, the jails are overwhelmed with mental health. A hospital is, and we have really looked at and worked with um, a lot of the outpatient centers. So we are really lacking for an inpatient center. So we uh, don't have any capability locally to take care of those, and we are at everybody's beck and call to beg them to take care of our mental health um, uh, patients. So uh, we will, I uh, think, at the um, uh, annual county meeting. Uh, I know mental health will be uh, for an update. We had the mid-year. Um, we think we know what the needs are. We just have to find the funds. And so we're going to keep looking for those. There's some grants out there and also some um, opportunity. We have the land uh, and um, we'd be able to recruit and open up a service hopefully and then be able to have all of those components that our county needs. And then last but not least, thank you for your continued support. Uh, it takes uh, a village, as they say, uh, absolutely. This has been a tough uh, last three years, for sure. Um, when we got the phone call in March of 2020, who, who would have thought, right, of a pandemic? But I think um, the local um, hospital has done a great job. Uh, we have taken care of many and saved uh, many lives. Um, you know, we continue. Last year, we saw almost 30,000 people in our emergency department. So 30,000 patients, that means if you bring one or two people, so almost 100,000 people come through our emergency department in um, a, a year. 
And so we're doing the very best we can with the rooms that we have. We have implemented a, a patient advocacy program where it'll be customer service, so we'll be able to check on our patients more often, but also communicate with their family members. Because a lot of times the family members are very anxious. Um, they don't know what's going on with their loved one. And so we're going to um, start uh, touching those family members a little bit more often. And I think that patient advocacy customer service program will help us a lot. And I think um, um, hopefully extending the hours of the uh, walk-in clinic, then we can get some of that unnecessary volume out of the emergency room and be able to treat the emergent as needed. And with that, I'll take any questions that you might have. Mr. Chairman, I had just one question. Ms. Mims, Ms. Uh, Dr. McKay, she will be in Dr. Um, Workplace Office all through the month. Is that correct? And then the other doctors will just be at the hospital. Is that right? She'll be seeing the patients. So um, she's appointments. Yes, she's, appointments? yes. So okay. the doctors will rotate through the clinic as uh, as well. Okay. Yes, okay. ma'am. Through the clinic. Yes, ma'am. The and then they will be on call for the hospital. But for she'll delivered. be the consistent okay. at the practice. Mm -hmm. So like today, Dr. Borquay has a surgical day. So he he doesn't see patients in the office on Tuesday because he's in surgery. So these doctors will have the same exact schedule. It'll just be a do a different doctor each week. Oh, okay. But at Laura McKay will be at the office Monday through Friday. And these doctors will be at the hospital or on call for deliveries? Mm -hmm. For deliveries, for and they'll see um, patients in the clinic. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. ma'am. So it's Dr. Callens that she comes now. She mm -hmm. comes from um, Macon. Uh, Dr. Quarantine, he comes from Albany. Um, we're recruiting another doctor. She's not signed her contract yet, but she has it, and she verbally says she will. So we'll announce her when she does. And then Dr. Borquay will be st still with us for seven days. And I don't know, you know, when we get ready to build the call house, <laughs> you know, uh, Reedsville just built four over there, over in Reedsville for Optum, I believe. Yes, ma'am. They built, they're almost as tiny house. <laughs> but they have all the amenities they say that you would need. We'll have to I go mean, check it out and look at it. <laughs> I mean, excuse me, bigger than the hotel rooms. Right. Yeah. So you might want to. Yeah, look I'll, at those. I'll go and, and look. And, um, I think um, they put four up. Four oh, okay. Five, right there on the right hand side, going into Reedsville. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go take dogs. a look at it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Mr. Chair. Ms. Mills. On your physicians that you do have, what are the ones that you mainly short, I'm gonna say short of, that you, we don't have in Liberty County? So we, if you look at the statistics, we are short still primary care. There's, there's too much population for the number of doctors that we have for them to be seen timely. So if someone calls, they're still having to wait too long to be seen. I think that's why our emergency department is so uh, flooded because people can't get into their doctor's office. So the statistics from the state show that we're still underserved in primary care. So we're going to continue to recruit. We, we have nurses that are going to nurse practitioner school. They'll graduate in March. No, January. They'll finish in January. And so we're looking to then hire them and put them through, you know, some of our practices to try to expand. The other is some of the specialty. So we have doctors that are visiting doctors, and they might come once a month. 
And our volume is just too, too much for that. We need them more often. So we lease them space in our medical office building, cardiology, we have four days a week. We could probably use him five days a week because there's so much cardiology issues. Um, nephrology for kidneys, we have a lot of people that are on dialysis that need to be seen. Um, so a lot of the pulmonology, so we have that, you know, with Dr. Wumi comes up, you know, every now and then. So most of those, the population is just um, so large. And unfortunately, the conditions, uh, those are chronic conditions that are pulmonology with lung disease and cardiology. The so, diabetes is tr um, tremendous as well. Well, I guess, <clears throat> so that can, helps to contribute to our transfer out because we don't have the specialty. Correct. Yes, sir. Here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so then we don't have the services to take care of them, so you can't accept them then. Yes, sir. So one thing we are going to review <coughs> is telemedicine. So there is opportunity to then have um, where you can have telemedicine, and they can then view the patient from the computer. We did a lot of telemedicine during the pandemic, and so they're still keeping those, um, you know, capabilities out there. A lot of people would rather go to their computer screen and see their doctor instead of having to go and, you know, get a babysitter and, you know, go see your um, doctor. And so, actually, there's some specialists that you can sign up for and maybe. And so we're going to look at what, what are those specialties that we're seeing that we're having to transfer out because we don't have enough here, and then maybe we'll use the telemedicine model. I got good news and bad news. Okay. <laughs> good news is population is coming. Yes. Bad news is population is coming. <laughs> population is coming. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I was at lunch today with uh, some folks from Caldwell Banker Realtors and said that, you know, I, I thought I'll, I really, I'm, uh, I apologize. I thought our housing inventory was adequate. They told me it's woefully inadequate. I guess you know the beginning. Yeah. So, uh, my gosh, where would you put them? You know. So, <laughs> so but so they're steadily coming. They're steadily coming, up, which is a good thing. That's right. That's all the challenge for us. I was telling a group today. I was talking to a gentleman from um, the Charleston area, a prospective developer. And he was saying, you know, um, with his. Uh, travels and he kind of assessed Liberty County and he said he gives us five years to kind of get it together mm -hmm. to, to, to where we need to be for the growth that's coming here. We have a lot of good things going on, but we need the infrastructure and all those things, safety, health care, all those things to, to, to make it work. Um, so well, when you, when you recruit and you have to take call and you have to respond within 30 minutes, you can't live that far, that far away. That's, that's why we then have the call room or we have physicians every day in hotel rooms. That's, that's not really the family life that people, you know, are, are setting up. Our last recruit, we had the doctor, but when the spouse came back from the realtor and we had dinner that night, mm -hmm. he, was, he was sold. We had him. Mm -hmm. And then he called the next day and said, M my wife couldn't find anywhere to live. Yeah. Housing market is really challenging. The immediate mayors that they're building, is that, a, is that our competition? Um, Another one's on the way, I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Our market's very, very favorable. Our market's very, very um, favorable because of the payer mix. We're not like other rural hospitals with the um, 
the poorer uh, payer mixes. We still have a reasonable um, commercial payer, uh, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. And that's why we continue to um, develop programs. So, you know, we, um, we don't um, need to have those that come up and cherry pick and they only want those that have pay in cash. Um, and then, you know, we end up just taking care of all indigent because um, we definitely have our, our share. But, um, you know, ours, we're, we're looking uh, today, um, there is a trauma report, and I actually sent it to Joey. It's a, like a 38-page document, I think, Joey. And, but there is a huge, huge section of trauma in the rural areas as well, and their concern of, um, you know, there's a list of hospitals that um, might not um, survive the pandemic, and if they potentially close, then how far are they going to have to go for services? And then, um, you know, they're short-staffed of, um, you know, EMS and trying to get, you know, people transferred, and when, once they do get them transferred, then there's wall time for them, and so there's different models that people are looking at of how do we take care of, you know, the communities that we serve, you know, for this. So, um, I don't, you know, we're, we're looking at a level four trauma designation, mainly because um, of the overall volume that we have, and then there's grant funds that we can get education for our staff, because whether we want it or not, when we have wrecks here, we have, we have some bad wrecks. Mm -hmm. So we might not be a trauma center, but we're certainly getting them and having to take care of them and stabilize them, and then hope and pray that we can get them, you know, to the level that they do need. But we... We have, um, you know, our last accreditation that came in in January. She said we work at the highest scope of level that she's ever seen of any critical access hospital. And so we take care of everything possible that we have the capability for. And, and that's what we feel like is our service, you know, to the community. However, there's always going to be things that the rules and regulations don't allow us to take care of that we're going to have to then seek, you know, for the higher level of care. But I'm, I'm not sure the immediate care, you know, immediate meds, um, that, you know, we need people to um, develop the relationship with their physician and then continue that follow-up. That one-time visit is not helping people stay on their diabetic medicine and staying on their cardiac medicine and preventing those strokes and preventing those heart attacks. That one time I've got this, <laughs> Thank you for my quick fix. We need that doctor relationship yeah. for well, the I guess preventative. That's a for that too, I guess. Um, something we heard yesterday in the um, zoning workshop was about having a walkable, having walkable communities, mm -hmm. and how it fits into your wellness, green space, all those things. So, as we get ready for our fall county planning workshop, let's all take those thoughts. You know. Uh, Sidewalks help. <laughs> to, to, to that process. That's right. Um, something we heard about too doing ACCG was, and Joey mentioned it, uh, crisis, they have crisis team. Was it Douglas? So there's, there's several around the state mm -hmm. for the mental health crisis for team. The mental health. Right. They did, but she did say it took about 10 years for it to come together. So, right. So, you know, government doesn't move fast. Really. Right, right. But we all started thinking about that 
the, those models, though, to put together those crisis teams to help with our behavioral health. Right. We just had our Center for Rural Health meeting in Macon um, probably two weeks ago, and there's um, the Trauma Commission came together to say, you know, um, there's a new designation, which we would not do it because we have um, too much volume, but some hospitals that don't have a large inpatient volume, they can have um, emergency uh, room designation where they have just emergency rooms, but they no longer have inpatient care. Well, then that means they won't be able to accept inpatients, so they're going to transfer them to other hospitals. So that's going to make a more need of an EMS mm -hmm. because they're not going to be designated to take those, you know, kind of patients. So the overall bed need is going to increase. As the population <coughs> increases, that then increases. And so it might come down the road that we look at our type of designation as being a critical mm -hmm. access and say, does that still fit the need of the community? It might be that we're at a point where the needs are different and we might have to change. And so we'll, we've got that on our um, strategic item to discuss with the hospital authority of, you know, when that time frame is. Mm -hmm. now, last thing, I, I, I read something I heard on TV. You know, you talked about the uh, uh, memorial concept for Bryan County. Did I not hear that St. Joe's County is also looking at expanding into, into Bryan County? Um, they have a, um, in Hartwood, so they have a yeah. joint um, relationship with that developer to put um, um, almost a, a mini uh, facility mm -hmm. in that uh, neighborhood of 10,000 homes. Mm -hmm. 10,000 homes. So do we view that the same as we view the uh, memorial? Yes, it'll, it'll definitely be some competition mm -hmm. because the majority of that area that comes, you know, our clinic is just one exit away. Mm -hmm. So that's much easier to come to our Midway Clinic and then come, you know, to the hospital than to go 144, 17, 204. God help you on Apricorn. Yeah. <laughs> so. Signage, Ms. Mims, on 95 yet that says that's a facility you can't put it up for um, the clinic um, you have a hospital signage um, is what you're allowed but um, we do try to um, market those areas and then participate in those um, areas um, to get the word out and so it, it's been very uh, favorable and actually um, our nurse practitioner actually came from that county and um, brought a lot of her patients with so her. It, your model that you're talking about, uh, let's just, I mean, if we're looking 10 years down the road and you make the decision, this is what we need, can we, can we go up with what's out there now? Or do we need to go back? Or do we need to be looking for another place? Um, I, I think the organization will have to decide, do we remain a critical access hospital or do we see so much of the um, um, perspective payment system, it's called PPS hospital, mm -hmm. then you're not limited on your length of stay, you're not limited on uh, the types of cases that you take, <coughs> and uh, you're not limited on your number of beds. Today we're limited with 25 beds and delivering babies, we save some for our moms. We don't count the nursery, but you know, most of the time we have one or two beds left. That doesn't leave us a lot of room for growth. If that then is determined to change the model of the hospital, then we would be able to go up on the hospital and add a third floor 
Um, we have where um, if we did a behavior health unit, I would attach it to the hospital so we would not have to um, duplicate laundry and um, dietary. Um, and you would have a lockdown unit and we have space for that on the grounds already, but I would go up and do a third uh, uh, floor um, and that would increase our capabilities. And then um, we would potentially look at, you know, that other end of the county to, <laughs> if the numbers continue to grow. We need, we need a full-time provider because Dr. Procure is three days a week and we would put a full-time provider out there as well. And it's just two now, correct? Two stories. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With uh, delivery up top. Mm -hmm. That in mid surge. Okay. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. On the second story. Yeah. And the piece of property uh, across the road, the the car key piece, is that does that belong to the hospital, or is that from what you know you hear it could have been Magnolia Manor's piece of property there for a, another assisted living. Um, that the across the street is not our property and um, it's my understanding um, that they, they own that property and that they have um, identified plans to um, relocate their nursing home to that area in the future. So with that they'll have their own physicians and everything nurses at that building you don't think they would be using the Liberty County facility there? I would hope if a nursing home located across the hospital's uh, campus, they would use our lab, and then if their residents became sick, that they would use you know, our um, facility. Um, I think it would be confusing to the public because our nursing home is located in Ludawisi, and some people might think that's associated with us, so I'm not quite sure you know, how that'll end up in the future. But I would, I would hope they would use the local services. We don't see uh, much of it today. Well, I'll close with this. You know, uh, we spoke earlier, the uh, city of Hinesville is about to capacity when it comes to room for subdivision. So it's going to push the growth out. And of course, some's going to Long County, no doubt about it. But some's going toward your Midway Clinic, too. So Right. That's where we, we've, we've got, um, you know, as soon as we can get um, some of these nurse practitioners um, and keep them local, they've been in our system, then um, they're kind of already established here. Um, you know, I, I was looking the other day, if you look at, you know, we, we have employees that drive Baxley, Glenville, um, Jessup, Savannah, I mean, you know, from, from all over to attract the talent, you know, that is, that is needed. And it's fortunate that um, we're able to do that. We had our service awards just recently, and you know we recognized Donald of 45 years, wasn't it, um, Mr. Lovett? And then um, recently we had radiologists tech for 30 years. You know, a lot of organizations don't see that, um, and we're fortunate that we've got some longevity there and the talent that we have. So we'll continue to uh, recruit and do um, a great job that um, we do, and continue to expand as the population continues to expand. We're in it together. Uh, Sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hey, Derek. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. Some of the food beers, Mr. Floyd. Go ahead and approve it. Why? <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for your patience, David. <laughs> we did work with, uh, I worked with the county administrator, uh, Joseph Mosley, to advertise and promote the bid for the summer food program. The county received two bids, uh, one from JL Stidham Group, LLC, uh, for $8.50 per meal, and one from Coastal Georgia CAA at $5 per meal. Um, both those bids were uh, pretty, were a little bit higher than we were expecting them to be, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we met, I met with uh, Joey and Joseph to review the bids, and at their recommendation, I reached out to Coastal Georgia CAA to try to negotiate a lower cost per meal. Um, I'm happy to report that uh, Coastal Georgia CAA has agreed to reduce their meal, their per meal cost to uh, $4.25 per meal. Um, right now, we're looking at uh, 38 days of service, serving an av about 500 meals per day uh, at 425 a meal. So we're looking at a cost of about $80,750 for food, um, and, and that is just for paying for the food from Coastal Georgia CAA. Um, we're also looking at an estimate of about $30,000 for personnel and related costs to run the program. So what was your anticipated cost before you got the bids in? We're about far apart. Well, I mean, the federal reimbursement rate was like 447. I mean, like both our bids were yeah. above anything that we could even ask for for yeah. grant. You know what I mean? So I mean, mm -hmm. but I mean, that's just because the feds have not looked at, I oh, mean, they, food, yeah. food is costing this much. I mean, that's, um, I, we actually reached out to America's Second Harvest and a couple of the other, um, you know, f summer food site providers, um, and I mean, and they're all, everybody's losing money this year because of the federal reimbursement rate. They, they just did not increase it as mm -hmm. inflation went up on so the food federal costs. reimbursement rate does not cover the personnel costs, that just covers the food. So to the, sh to the short take, we think our out-of-pocket at the end of the day will be about 50. No, well, our, based on previous years, I think realistically our reimbursement for this program from the federal grant will probably be around $50,000, which is going to be, I mean, that's, we're not paying for half of it. I mean, the other half is coming out of that's about sixty. Thousand. Yeah, about $60,000, I think, that the county is going to pay for this program. I mean, which, you know, I mean, $50,000 isn't, isn't nothing, but, like, you know, we're, we're grateful to be, that right. they're, they're yeah. supporting it at all. But. This is a service project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And I'm just glad to see this, this project back up and running, you know, since, uh, you know, we had to shut it down since COVID. Uh, with it being back online is, you know, I, I'm just thinking about all, all the families that we're going to be able to, to help during, it, during this difficult time. Because it's oh. like you said, food prices going up, you know, uh, if it's going up for us, it's going up for, you know, the individual families as well. And mm -hmm. it's a tough time for, for everyone right now, so. Well, let, me say, let me say this to you. Um, <clears throat> the last three years, Mr. Brown, correct me if I'm wrong, we didn't, Coastal Georgia, we didn't really have a place to prepare the food also. So after we was able to build a new facility in Riceboro, mm -hmm. that allowed Coastal Georgia to be able to become competition again. And uh, yeah. 
Yes, sir. And, and honestly, I think this is the first time in my tenure that the food will actually be prepared in Liberty, I mean, in Liberty County, because that we, for a little while they were preparing it at Geordie Bacon for our first yeah, couple of years, yeah. but for the last few years, they've been driving that food in from Brunswick. And no, so, we did do it one, a couple of years at Riceboro. Yeah. When we was at Riceboro, we did it a couple of years oh, at yeah. Riceboro. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I mean, honestly, I, I do think that that's going to be, uh, that'll help us out a lot. It's, right. I mean, yeah. as far as being able to get the food to the sites in a timely manner. Yeah. Total, you, you talked about, David. Total for, that it's going to cost the county or total overall? The county. Probably about sixty thousand dollars, sir. How much? Sixty thousand. I mean, the total price for the entire program. I mean, like food will be eighty thousand seven hundred and fifty, and then about another thirty thousand for the staff, the personnel at each site. I think you. I mean, you'll be there a lot of times when they're delivered, and you'll have people there working, and you need to. I mean, you got a certain number of meals that's out there, and there are going to be other people that it's going to be there that want something to eat too. Now, I know that it's not going to be every day, but whatever we got, keep up with it and get with Joey, and Joey will get you a check for whatever you got <laughs> extra. <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen that the county gets reimbursed. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I did have one. Joey will have money he can. You know, honestly, I've always said, you know, we can, we can have, we generally have a little bit of extra food. We can bring it up here, people. <laughs> you know, Friday's, Friday's peanut butter and jelly sandwich day. I think everybody loves it. <laughs> bring it up here. We don't need it. I'm just saying, if you've got people there that you're trying to feed, and mm -hmm. we, we're sure. So we're, we're always very careful that the food is useful, that we are, we are even, like, there's a certain point at which we're not going to get reimbursed because we, we, we you know, we, and, and, and at that point, what we do is we're looking for communities in need that can make use. Well, I've of seen people food. ask from everything from uh, computers to roofs through this budget that we've got. And mm -hmm. if we can't spend just a little bit more money on some people that need some food to eat, mm -hmm. then we're going away from home. So yeah. just put it in there. That's the way I feel right. about it. Can you get, Mr. Chairman, can, David, can you get us a, a list of where you're going to have these? Sites. We'll probably have that. We're still, um, we're, I told you earlier we were doing 15 sites. Uh, we're okay. still sort of getting permission for okay. some of the private sites, and I don't want to publicize the list until I, okay. I know for sure. Right, but I can sure probably get that. that for you next week. I okay. can, I'll give it, send it to Joey for him to share. Thank you. Mm -hmm. we, we, since we, since we haven't had this project for a while, we had to decrease the amount of sites because we're they're treating us like the new kids on the block. <laughs> so we have to get built back up. Well, and honestly, because there, there's been like we're serving at Regency Apartments mm -hmm. this time, which we haven't done that in years. I mean, right. there's always been so many uh, food service companies were coming in. I mean, the, and all that stopped during the pandemic. Like you know, people just stopped you know, bringing food in. So we're, we're actually going to have a few sites that we, we haven't served at for a while. We're going to be at Mount Zion. Um, we're going to be at uh, Regency Park. Uh, and also, you know, we've got a new Boys and Girls Club that just opened right there at the old Geordie Bacon. So they're, they're starting their first camp this summer. We're going to oh, yeah. be serving there. 
So, I mean, we've got a lot of sort of Good. exciting developments that okay. are happening, but everybody's sort of in the same boat. We're starting out from a, a, we're a little bit of a limp because the pandemic slowed everybody's plans down a great deal. Jason. Don't forget the rural area now, yeah? Uh, yes, sir. We're, we're I, still down there. I, I, I think Jason's over at the city. Well, nah, <laughs> yeah, they're, no, they're, I, they're done with their meeting. Yeah, they're yeah. done with their meeting. <laughs> well, and we're, we're, we're still serving at the sites that we traditionally served out in Midway and out in Riceboro. We're going to be at Lake George Community Center. We've already got their uh, approval for there. We're going to – I don't know yet about the – First Zion Baptist Church, but we, we've traditionally served there. And, and of course, we're, we're going to be in Homestown. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss Carolyn Smith is going to be working out there again this year. And, uh, we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to be at uh, the Riceboro Youth Center. So we're, we're very we're conscious that we're going to try to spread it throughout the community. On the rest. Yeah. <laughs> On the other. <laughs> I will get you that list. I promise. Let's see. Uh, don't but yes, forget, don't, don't forget the gum branch yeah, area. We, we will not forget the gum branch area. Yes, of the county mm -hmm. also. And do you do do any type of advertising? I know we had it out there one time, but nobody didn't know what they were doing at that. I think we had them at the uh, ballpark. Yeah, we, I, they were just sitting in their car with the the box on the trunk. So you know, what we, we found got is to do better in advertising to yeah. let people know that what we're doing what we found is it's a lot easier to bring food to where kids are than to try to get kids to go Come, someplace to yeah. you know and i, mean, I know like, out there is the density's not there really it, the, it's not it's if not. you get past the, mm -hmm. the city of gun branch the density's right. not there so mm -hmm. i understand that if you can't find anything past there but i believe on the airport road 15th street somewhere well, in there we should be able to Oh, and there's been so much development on down yeah, the yeah, airport yeah. road. And I that, actually that, think that we could probably find a site. Okay. Uh, I mean, do you have a signs that say summer food program here, something like that? Yes, we have a summer food program serving eleven to one that we'll put outside of every site that we're okay. we're uh, you know or you know free free lunch. And then social media too. Once mm -hmm. I, I know, have a flyer. Or, yeah. Or okay. whatnot. Well, we'll put out a flyer and we'll give one to uh, the county to put out, but of. I mean, that's not where most eyes are going to go, to be honest. You know, so we're going to push it out pretty hard on um, sort of the nonprofit the social media mm -hmm. and try to get the we, – we actually talked yeah. pretty – we like think that we're going to get a really strong push from the Ministerial Alliance this year, too. So. Okay. okay, sounds like you're touching all your bases. Well, and <laughs> it, it, it has been a little bit more of a challenge this year just because we're sort of having to rebuild a lot of stuff that really, you know, it, it's easier to keep stuff going when you yeah. do it every year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave. <laughs> Thank you, commissioners. Let's all take a part in helping to get the word out. Yes. Yep. To your respective. We need to vote on this right here, because Joey, you got to approve the bid. We need to approve the contract. Mr. Chair. Yes. Okay. Second. Second. Okay. Second. Okay. Second. 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 Thank you. City Riceboro election? Yes, sir. This is uh, standard boilerplate for us to for our elections division to um, conduct the City of Riceboro election. I think we got one more that'll come to us also, from what I remember. But it is the standard that you approved, uh, just like the City of Hinesville's, I believe it was last time we were here. Mr. Chairman, I'd offer a motion. Second. Motion second. We approve the agreement to conduct the election for the City of Hinesville. Any further discussion? All in favor, show your hands, please. They gotta have to it. Do that. That time of year. 
one. Food truck. Food truck. Burn up hamburgers. See how you're going to get the food this year. <laughs> Uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, Board of right. Commissioners, one of the actions that came out of the uh, retreat was to move forward with a food truck ordinance. Uh, we took the city of uh, Hinesville and used it as a model ordinance. Oh, I keep forgetting, Mike. <laughs> it's working for you. Uh, um, definitions, uh, those, the, just a quick overview of the ordinance. Uh, definitions talks about base operations. <coughs> A food truck park, which is a gathering where food trucks come together, and uh, mobile home food establishment, which is basically the truck itself, and the push cart, which is the device <coughs> you've seen people use on the streets. Mm -hmm. And then it's, uh, Section B starts talking about the license and approval that it needs, uh, require a, a business license, got to have permits from the Department of uh, Health, uh, must have a base of operations. And one of the things that we did when, with Jeff with the new zoning districts is we make sure we looked at the zoning districts that we have now, compare them to what y'all will be adopting in the future. All right, just one quick question. Yes, sir. So uh, whenever you're saying you must have a base of operations, is that therefore they need to have a, either a ghost kitchen or do they need to have a, a, a restaurant it, establishment? It, it's, uh, well. it's a place where food is prepared, and supplies are gathered, uh, could be at a, those particular zones could be in a single family home or wherever, but it's, it's where they, they prepare stuff. So it can be in, in a, Okay. Yeah, yeah right. And the, and the zoning districts lays it out with the different zoning districts where there the base operation can be. Better known, they call it the commissary. Yes, sir. Uh, that's uh, the term that they use in the That's audience. what they used to call them. Now they call them ghost kitchens. Uh, that, that's commissaries. Talk about the requirements and the standards. Uh, the, uh, basically, the, on the food truck, the, tr the vehicle is what they call the food store establishment. Got to have a license that will go through the uh, building license department. Uh, it outlines the personal information that they'll need for the application. Uh, must have proof of valid driver license, uh, got to have a copy of business license, and got to have uh, all of the Department of Public Health, all the certifications and permits. Uh, operation standards for the mobile, uh, it outlines where does it operate, whether it's in a public area, private area, uh, the particular zoning district, parking when it's not in use, where it needs to be parked when it's not in use. Uh, display when it's in operations, got to have the permits, got to be in a visible location where, where somebody come up can see them. Uh, again, evidence of a valid driver's license and got to observe a number of safety standards that the ordinance lays out. Uh, the parks got to be located in, in the applicable zoning districts that you see. Uh, got to address um, uh, environment issues, got to be so many feet from places where employees can go to the toilets. Uh, restroom facilities, got to submit a site plan that the uh, LCPC must review and approve, uh, got to address issues like trash disposal, fire safety issues, and how to deal with generators, and then it, the ordinance lays out enforcement uh, guidelines. Yes, sir. Mr. Chair. <clears throat> Mr. Mosey, on each of those uh, established, I mean, um, move about, do they have to be inspected each time? Uh, I do know that they got to follow through on the health department. That's, that's probably a year, but I, I'll read a little bit more what about, carefully in there. What about uh, fire safety and, you know? Uh, yes, like. on, the, uh, on the mobile ones, I'm not sure, but, but when you have the park, that's, that's part of the issue in the parks, when they start okay. coming together and creating the park. Okay. I think that's part of what 
Department of Health that checks for yeah, it. They, yeah. yeah, the health department. Yeah. And I believe it's a year. Yeah. And but, but then you got the fire side too. Yeah. So in, in, in the grounding side for building right. department. Which, These parks are where there'll be more than one gathered. Yes, sir. Like yes, ma'am. Yes, ma they're going to build yes, over That's here. Right. So if we have, if you have a, something at Salter's Park and you got five of them out there, that would be a park. Yes, ma'am. But individually, they they could go into um, the, the applicable zoning one districts. One could go into yes, Salter's Park, and these wouldn't apply to him. Right. The parks, it would go back to that other one. Right. Go right? back to on the, the mobile. <clears throat> right. That's right. Okay. But, yeah. So if you have a festival and you have a park, and they go by those guidelines. Yes, ma'am. Those right. generators can get loud, you know. Yeah, that's what it's <laughs> got to address them. Have to have the quiet generator. That and yeah. Calling the oxide from it. Yeah, yeah. Sure it's yeah going people out walking right around. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so what we want to do is, if you got any comments, send them to me, and we're gonna when we send it to Kelly to dress it up. We'll do. We'll we'll, we'll make sure it's forward to him, and uh, we'll get it to him. Sounds this good. is a way of the future, I tell you. Any, any major differences between this one and Hinesville's? No, sir. This no. we went in, changed the zoning, the make sure they were applicable. Um, That's good. All right. That can serve some Thank good you so food. much, sir. All right. That's more than what we had. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, when we, commissioners, when will we uh, try to finalize this? Get the muffler on that truck. <laughs> At the um, you want to do the first approval for this? Yes, ma'am. Next meeting? Okay. Or is that I, don't, I don't think we'll be ready. We we we've got to basically go back through it. If you can offer any comments before the next meeting, we still need to send this to Kelly. Okay. Uh, Kelly hasn't reviewed it yet. Some, yeah, there's some things that are. So what our deadline should be? July. No, what I'm saying is with the comments, what I, we should be able to have that back to you, what, in? June 1st. June 1st, and then we should like approve that. it. And, and then July. we still got to send it to Kelly. And, yes, sir. Right. So it won't uh, be ready for us to July. July 1st is probably yeah. a good date to look. That's I'm thinking, fine. I'm thinking if it parallels Hinesville, then it should have been vetted by their city attorney. Well, well, different, uh, for instance, in here, it notes violations for first, second, third offense. That, mm -hmm. None of that will apply in here because it will be kicked. To, the, our, our method differs from the city's. It will go to magistrate court. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing available. Yeah. And so it will be uh, OCGA code remedy allowable to magistrate mm -hmm. court. So, for instance, that's uh, there will be some changes between the city and the county. Sure. We haven't sent it over to Kelly yet. Okay. Well, should it be ready before the first meeting in July, just let us know. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> okay. Did we just add to Joseph for some of the questions we might yeah, have? Absolutely. Questions, concerns. Doesn't have to be exactly like it. Uh, whatever you whatever you prefer. I just want it to be fair for everybody. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, everybody to abide by the same rules. So I, th I think I it's like we don't get off as long and go park at the corner of Lovett and Thrift Street. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a cool street right that's there, a cool baby. Street right there. It's like the other thing y'all were talking about too. The consistency is important. It's like unified development work. So, you know, you, you got a food truck operating a county. If you can be as close as you can to the other municipalities, it eliminates that confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that'll be the best thing to do. Good start. Good start. Uh, just very quickly, and, and, and I won't take long here. Can I certainly answer any questions tonight or later? Uh, go ahead, Michael. The uh, the first thing, just to give you 
a quick date, a quick update on legislative assembly. Obviously, adjourned many, many bills out there. ACCG did a good job of recapping the highlight bills that's on their website. Uh, if you go to that legislation, just a few that we were tracking the truck weight limit did pass. Uh, took vehicles allowable for certain agricultural products and timber from about 84,000. Uh, gross weight on the truck to uh, 88,000. So it increased about 4,000 pounds on that. Uh, legal organ requirements made it a little easier on us sometimes, especially with a uh, once a week newspaper that, you know, everybody makes mistakes. So we'll send over an ad that's got to run for budget or millage. It's very time sensitive. If the ad's not exactly right when it runs, it does allow them to repost it on their website within two days and meet the compliance of the law. Uh, and we'll obviously advertise it on ours. So it gave us a little bit more flexibility under the advertising requirements and legal orders. It did put back in House Bill 31, put back into place something that we'll be able to take advantage of. We're still monitoring the closed landfill. So we do remediation efforts on that. There's been in place for, gosh, I know at least 10 years, if not more, hazardous waste trust fund that people pay into when they dispose of tires and do other things. That money had been diverted. Uh, into the state treasury for other purposes. Let's put that back into place and said it's going to go in that fund for what it's meant for. And so that's pretty good. Estimated to generate about $1.4 million a year. We would make application for that for some of our mediation efforts, which is very good. Also, uh, Senate Bill 56 um, dealt with the taxation of digital goods. You know, uh, uh, Amazon sales and all those things were put in several years ago. I think that's why we've seen a tremendous increase in the sales tax personally along with some growth here of course but of that this expanded that further to I'm gonna call it digital media so it's like uh, books and music it's anything that you buy online that you retain permanently if you rent it or lease it online it's not applicable but if you download it as a permanent buy books are a perfect example then that's going to be a taxable sale so anything that you buy digitally and retain uh, is going to be taxable July one kind of July 1. Now I'm just thinking about from even from the, like the PlayStation and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Because I'm, I'm getting alerts right now that my son is downloading a new game. Right. I'm just glad you know, some of us have come to Liberty County. Uh, <laughs> House Bill 311 uh, gave the commission the ability to offer some relief of permits and taxes in areas that were disaster declared areas. So if you have a large scale, Lord, we never have that happen, but if you have a large scale disaster, wipes out a bunch of stuff, it would give you the right to give some relief, not have to, to those folks affected by that disaster. And then the um, homeowner tax relief grant was put back into place. Now basically what that will do, uh, and that's an old, old act that was out there that was resurrected but it will give uh, homeowners tax relief, um, provides a tax credit of up to $18,000 to them on their uh, assessed value of their homesteaded properties for this year, this coming year. It has to be renewed from year to year. So, so you know, that is good uh, for homeowners uh, to know, along with anything else that, you know, might come along uh, that affects their, their homeowner rate. But uh, could see an average reduction of about $500 on property tax bills. Is that uh, we, something we, which could be great. How would we explain that to a homeowner? 
they need to come up here and fill out a form? Or is they're automatically, pathway? they're automatically, if they own a homestead and they're filing for homestead exemption, mm -hmm. they'll automatically get that credit. That's something that would take place downstairs? Or well, I, yes, ma'am. You know, the, the exact schematics, I don't, I don't think, and I'll reconfirm this for everybody, especially those that are on, on, on Facebook too, but uh, I don't think there's anything you've got to do. I think it's going to be an automatic credit automatic. if you're already signed up as a homesteaded property. Mm -hmm. If you already signed up. Okay. Yes, okay, sir. thank you. That. Um, oops, go back. So just uh, capital projects real quick. <laughs> uh, just an update on that. I won't go through them all. Uh, a couple of pictures, but EMS facility, anticipated completion date, uh, really next month on that. Down there today, you'll see that in a section. Miller Fire Station, completion date right now estimated at, at, uh, in September. Trent has run over some of these. We'll tell you that Mr. Buckley is actively involved now with design of the health department facility uh, and has got what he needs to work Yay. on there. Uh, Sam Harris, GM <coughs> renovation. Some of y'all have been through there. Completion date on that's looking good at, at August right now. You see the status of some road projects on there. We'll talk about the connector in a second and the status of those other projects. Um, be, and, and I'll show you a couple of pictures. Be happy to answer any questions you got. This is a snapshot just of today. The work continues on the gym. They basically have got it acclimated in there. They'll start installing the air conditioning systems next week. Georgia Power projected to be in there also installing their transformer next week, which has got to be obviously put in before the AC systems can get in. Uh, EMS Station 2. They've already started moving furniture into that. We'll, out, we'll go for a what I call a power check or a power up on that. In fact, next week, test all the systems on it. And as Trent mentioned, I'm good. So the roadway out front is finished. That did take a while uh, to be able to get completed, but Trent mentioned that also. So we got that done. Okay. He mentioned, Joey. He mentioned it, but you got I think pictures. we got a fire station in there also. Joey. Yes, sir. On that fire station, just curiosity, and the EMS station, will we have any kind of caution light out there or we won't? Not at this time. You know, there's the road plan. In fact, on one of the projects, I think it's dead, but there, it, on, on the projects that um, $2 million, I believe, was the cost of doing the Highway 84 retrofit out front that we didn't have funding for. I've kept it on my project list, but it shows no action at this time until we establish either some state funding Really, probably going to have to be our funding on that. Okay. Uh, fire station, just a quick snapshot of that. Um, uh, wall, provi wall dividers, everything obviously in place. They should finish up the work on the outside of that station probably in the next couple of weeks, weather provided. And um, uh, like I say, the work continues on the inside. They're doing very, very well there. No delays that we see in materials on that. Um, I do want to mention. Okay, now we'll switch over. While we're talking about capital projects, I do want to get your permission to do this. If you'll blow that up, Michael. What, what you're seeing here that we're moving out on from the planning session that you had is, is a layout. Uh, this is off the south main extension on the property that, that we just got from the hospital through that EMS transfer. Uh, to, to orient you, just north of this is where the current station is. So this is that long open lot uh, really behind Kroger in there. Uh, so Mr. McCall's done some layout of that, uh, and now we can go to the next one, Michael. <coughs> yeah, and if we can, well, it's going to be hard to blow it up. But, but basically, it's sim simple building, um, truck supply loading on the rear, 
uh, small training classroom in the back, um, you know, toilet facilities, storage facilities, administrative, small administrative area for Becky to work out of to take payments and process and do things like that. Um, and then uh, offices, two joint offices for shift supervisors in there currently have nowhere to do their paperwork. And then Jean and uh, Crystal, an office up front. So, um, you know, not an overly large facility. In fact, 5,900 square feet is what you're talking about in there. Uh, be a pre-engineered metal structure with, with brick facade on the front to match, uh, to match that. Uh, anticipated <coughs> cost of that, everything in that, including um, permits and fees, is right around $2 million for that, asphalt paving and everything in that. Um, these are the, basically the, a rough design. It's been run by Crystal, run by Gene. Um, and they feel pretty good with it. I feel pretty good with it. Spent a, a time on the phone with Rusty today talking about that. We're going to apply for a grant for a generator to go on that station uh, as well as one for the EMA facility when we look at that. But I'd like to see if I could get your permission to go ahead and get him to do the uh, construction drawings on that to get started based on these schematics. Did Crystal and Gene, they're they blessed it? Yes, sir. Yes, you sir. blessed it? We get those this construction drawings. This is one of the items that you based it for in Splash 7 to do that. Uh, right now, and, and I won't be redundant about things that we've said earlier, but um, right now they really don't have much office space at that current facility at all. No. Becky's trying to operate with two other people upstairs to do the billing. I mean, it's really really not they need this they don't have any room for supplies I mean they're storing them in the attic basically a lot of times uh, the training they don't have any anywhere to do their training and their CPR training updates and things like that I don't have no problem with the design or anything like that I just wonder with the way that the county's going we jammed up there on South Main I'm just saying there's no other place that you feel like, I mean, that would be better outlined somewhere. I mean, we're, it, I just. It I, needs to be in the city because that's where our main station, main call volume, and main load's going to be. And, and um, Well, I, that's where it's going to leave from. But I Yeah, mean, yeah. And, and it needs to be close to that. I, I need the administrative facility to be close to the operational facility. And, and I'll be honest with you, if I can, they're operating, Gene and Crystal shared an office, supervisor trying to work out. It, it, they will have uh, about two office areas. There'll be a little bit of room for expansion in that current building later on if it needs to. I don't know why it would, the operational quarters, because you can put four ambulances in there now. Um, I think if anything happens in the future, you might look for a place to put more ambulances and more crew, but not necessarily administration. And how many are you going to have in Midway? Or a room for four. Won't be funded initially, but a room for four. I, I mean, you're adding how many new buildings at Tradeport, and that's how many more employees with in a, you know, industrial-type settings. 
I'm just wondering what. Yeah, I mean, I mean you want to try to make sure it's at the at the right place. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I'm just yeah. thinking that it was fine because that's the only place we had EMS at one time. You know, right there in the, at the trailer, and and we realized that we needed a trailer with some folks in it down in Midway. So right. we moved. So I just want to make sure that you know you you're in the right spot. I really think we are here. I think you're here. I, I think it's the right spot for your administrative people. I do. Okay. Now, and I think I mean, you're going, again, I think you'll need to either look at adding some space, depending on what the calls do over the next 10 years, adding space here for more ambulance crews, more so in other areas probably. Yeah, but obviously the first thing is to try to get two full crews down at Midway because the call volumes is happening down there and, the, and another probably another substation down there. But that's what I come I before you tonight with. Move with it. We've got we've allocated the money for it, and if they're okay with the design, then you're okay with it. I wish that we'd have been able to get the city to go with us on part of this. <laughs> I mean, they just moved out of one fire station into another one. That would have been perfect, straight across from where they're at. They're going to use it. They're going to one. I mean, I don't know. I just down. Yeah. <laughs> And you said the, the front facade is going to match the current EMS building? Uh, well, you know, the current EMS building is vinyl and brick, but it would, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But we wouldn't put brick all the way around it. There's no need to, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. We'll get a draft then. We'll go ahead and engage to get the construction drawings done, and once we get those, we'll have those available for you all to look at on the back before we ever do anything bidding the project so still be time to sit down there look at it we'll answer any questions you got in our normal process of these buildings okay okay um there had been some discussion i know mr chairman you had a conflict um that we talked about the other day and that was the possibility of being able then to move our uh june 15th meeting date to possibly june 13th which would put it on a Actually, that Tuesday instead of that Thursday, that's the mid-month in June. I think there's Savannah Tech graduation that night and some things. So I just I defer to you um, on what, how you want to handle that. But yeah. if, if the commission uh, could allow us to change that meeting to the 13th, mid-month. Ms. Chair, actually. That's a good time for me. Excuse me. Right. No, no problem. But I, I know earlier this year at our uh, county commission, uh, no. workshop we discussed about possibly even looking at making those changes permanently and I don't see why not use this opportunity now to go ahead and and look at doing that permanently and it just be simple Tuesday and Tuesday same time same place well, let's um, let's test this one out obviously it's gonna work I don't know what we tested. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, while we're looking at that, if that's okay, for, on our July 4th meeting. Does that work for you? We need to look at July. July. June. 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 June 13th. Well, I'll go with you on this one right here, Mr. Chairman. Just don't ever let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind. This, this is once it. 
Well, you're right, July 4th is the... Uh... Yes, sir, I'll be out that whole week. Okay. So... I can do the 11th. What, how have That's we done that before? Too. Have we moved it? We've always moved July 4th. We have, when it fell on Tuesday. Normally, we move it back like the, the next week or <coughs> whatever. But either way, I, I just I just wish we'd just go ahead and have a Tuesday and Tuesday meeting, five and five or six and six. I like it the way it is. I see. know, I, I mean, know. that's just me. I know, some people get stuck. I, some I'm people stu get stuck in their ways. Man. I'm stuck in the rut. I'm telling you. <laughs> July 11th? I come July with the bill. Is that good? A hey, church start at 11 o'clock every Sunday, right? How about Bible study? But Wednesday night is different. <laughs> so uh, June 15th, we'll move to June 3rd. We'll send a notice out there to everybody. And then uh, July 4th, we'll move to June, July 11th. Thank you, Mr. Okay. Chairman. Okay, sure. Mr. Chairman, I believe that's... I want to go back, Michael, one quick time to um, to the 38 project, if you will, just to give you a quick update on that, the 38 bypass project, I apologize, um, That just to tell you that construction has a project let date of August of 23. Uh, there are a couple of things. Right away has already been completed. You see the updated construction cost as of April. It's gone up. The state's paying 100% of the construction cost. They paid 100% of the right-of-way cost. Uh, we're searching for some funding sources for the utilities and mitigation funds, and that's what we put the earmark money in for that has made it fast past the first round in those congressional hoops. So we won't know about that until October. The reason I tell you that is there's a pretty good chance that that project let date gets bumped back some, and I'll be in conversation with a district engineer, uh, hopefully by Monday, to be able to talk to him about that. But that is the current status on that project. All so right. it's, it's, it's about ready to, to go out for bid, provided we can get the other items covered. And that's all I have, sir. Right up, items, all right, let me get this, Commissioner Brady. I don't want to sound negative, but, but if the funding doesn't come through, well, well, if funding doesn't come through, then, you know, District Engineer will have some conversation. I mean, there, there are some options, I think, to uh, request to the state of Georgia that we change the project framework agreement to let them be the project sponsor, which would mean it would be let when they decided they had the funds to do that project. Obviously, there are some triggers in there because of mitigation. A couple things, mitigation credits that have to be bought are going to go up in price as each month rolls on uh, pretty substantially. The other side of that is, is that mitigation, if it's not bought and the project doesn't start within a three-year period from when the studies were done, uh, you have to go back and Repair. update that again, which takes about 24 months to do. So, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss. I'm going to discuss that with him next week. About five year clock is ticking. <laughs> well, we've been waiting 20 years, Joyce. <laughs> yeah. And by then, we'll probably have our meetings on Tuesday and Tuesday. And then we're going to have them. Anything else, sir? No, good sir. Like. All right. Thank you, everybody. Good meeting. Productive. Um, that's the good order. Chair, take a motion to adjourn. I'll move, move. this chair. Is that good? All in favor.